Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. They're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 32, where we'll be digging out our new favorite gimmick and going all tale of the tape in what could actually be a real Mayweather-McGregor situation as we decide which was the better Star Wars spinoff movie, Rogue One or Solo. Dun-dun-dun. Yes. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who successfully argued that Papa John's garlic butter sauce should be its own food group and a college thesis. He is the Nikolai Volkov to my Boris Zukov. Would you please all rise for the singing of the free-range idiocy national anthem, I give you the man they call Tim. I can't do that, Tim, for too long. You know what? We need to decide what our national anthem would be oh. for free range idiocy. I'm I'm kind of partial to One Nation Under a Groove by uh, Parliament. There you That's go. That's just me, though. Uh, there you go. What What would your suggestion be? I'm gonna guess something by Rush. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I not to spoil my end. Another thing, um, but uh, maybe a little Spirit of Radio. You know. But we're not on the radio. Well, we're not. But we're we're kind of broadcasting in the next evolution of the radio. That is that is a good point. So uh, so now I'm going to be real. I know I'm setting myself up once again for failure. But can you name the tag team, sir? Uh, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov, um, the Bolsheviks. Oh, I, I actually thought I had you there. Did you play that up? <laughs> No, I, I seriously, for a moment, I had a blank, and then I'm like, wow, what were they called? And all I had was the uh, all, the, the, the American Express, the All-American Express, wasn't that? I, I think that was uh, uh, Barry Windham and uh, Mike Rotundo, who we had a couple of weeks back there. Yeah, but the no, U.S. Express, yeah. The U.S. Express, thank you. And, and, and I'm like, okay, it wasn't that. And then it's like, oh, yeah, the Bolsheviks, good old Boris Zukov and Nikolai Volkov. Oh, my so. gosh. But I, I always love just Nikolai getting up in front of the uh, the, the microphone and I mean I don't know the whole like Russian national anthem, but it just it just he was very operatic when he sang. <laughs> now the funny part of that is uh-huh. neither one of them Russian. No, neither no. one of them. One no. uh, Nikolai was was Croatian. The other dude right. just out and out American. <laughs> yes, which yes. I'm guessing is the reason they didn't have him ever talk. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, extra. Now this is gonna. We're going to go into the bonus round. Can oh, you name their original manager? Uh, I thought it was Classy Freddie Blassie. That would be incorrect. It oh, was the stumpage Reverend slick. Are you kidding? Wait a minute. Really? I have no idea how that works out. <laughs> I'm gonna look that one up. I think you're just trying to pull one over on me. Uh, let's see here. I've got Wikipedia pulled up. Wikipedia. 
is the best thing ever. Oh, you know who I, I'm thinking of? Classy Freddie Blassie was the manager of the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Well, now, so here's the thing, though. As with the previous pairing of Volkov and the Iron Sheik, the Bolsheviks were managed by Slick. Really? Okay. That is well, that is in the team history portion of Wikipedia. Very nice. This po- this portion of the program is brought to you. No, it's not brought to you by anyone because ain't no one give us any money, so we are not bringing <laughs> anything. anything. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you for joining uh, us here on our our what we like to call the idiocy of of podcasting. Uh, you can, if you uh, are so inclined, feel free to subscribe. You can go to freerangeidiocy.com. That'll be our Podbean page with all of our episodes lined up, nice and neat for you in a row. You can re- uh, listen to all of those. You can also subscribe through Podbean. We're also on iTunes and Spotify, you can go to uh, you can go to YouTube. I've been having some trouble with the YouTubes lately. They are they are not letting me upload new episodes. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I get I guess I have to be fighting with one of these services. Otherwise, it's just not life for me. Uh, no, so, not at all. So YouTube is giving us some fits and starts. I'll see if I can uh, sort that out. But otherwise, go to one of the other services. You can listen to all the episodes. You can follow us on the social medias because you know we love the social medias. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. All three of those at Free Range Idiocy, and uh, that way you get all of the latest news, idiocy, and uh, and chuckles right there. On your device and You're grilling also, and, and grilling pics on the Instagram, my friend. I've, oh I've, my gosh, I've been yeah. taking some shots of some of the uh, succulent uh, meals I've been preparing on the grill. Uh, Tim is the Lord of the Meats. Uh, that is his official title now. I, actually, you know what? We we need to find a not Lord of the Meats. Maybe like Duke of no. What would be a what would be a good title for you, sir? King uh, of Carnivores, maybe. Uh, King of Carnivores, I like. I am starving. I haven't had lunch since yesterday. I'm trying to think of something like you know, um, Mayor of Meatsville. Uh, oh Mayor- no, I've got it. I've got it. I've got oh, it. Oh, go ahead. The Czar of Char. Oh, <laughs> I will take that. Thank you, sir. <laughs> You're welcome. That is my gift to you. Oh, when, thank you. Very, you very early Father's Day for me. I appreciate that. When you make a couple million dollars off of, you know, merchandising and stuff, be sure to toss a couple shekels back my way, would you? Mm-hmm. Oh, anyways, so, uh, yeah, follow us on social media, subscribe. You can also send in questions and or suggestions that you'd like us to jabber about. You can send all those to Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com. And Tim will do something with them. I still, to this day, don't know what is happening with those. So just just do that and amuse us, and and he'll do something with them. So uh, before we get into uh, before we get into the first official part of our show here, we got to give a shout out. We we've got ourselves uh, not just a fan, a super fan. I believe you have dubbed her fan of the year, and uh, uh, I, I'm just no, I can't even do that because I, we're going to have to retire it year after year because there's there's nobody else who's going back and listening to the, some of these episodes <laughs> that she's listening to. <laughs> this is a whole other category, whole yes. other category. Uh-huh. Uh, so your sister-in-law Heather, yes, has been my, binging BSG. Yes, my my you, boot my it, bootlegging my my Wisconsin bootlegging uh, sister-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Eastbound and down. That's right. That's right. Does, yeah, she, does no. she have like an eighteen wheeler with like the stagecoach on the side of it? Uh, no, she's more of a, a facilitator. She, uh, her, her oh. friend Greg is doing the actual runs. So <laughs> she. <laughs> so she's a crime boss, is what you're saying. That's good to know. Uh, slightly. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Good. So be nice when you say stuff about her. I don't want to. I don't wind up in a in a river somewhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she she has been uh, consuming the BSG and then uh, providing some 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 fine comments, uh, pointing out. Uh, the fact that, that that Todd struggles with the maths and so, okay. there's uh, no secret which, there. There's the, no not not at all. Just simple reinforcement of that which is known. But she she did raise with me uh, a point uh, back in season two when we talked point of about order. point of order point of order uh, that she, she a little a little fact dropping going on that apparently um, the the actor who played Billy uh, I believe she read that um, good old uh, Billy. Good old Billy. Billy. Good old flush cheek Billy looked like he was like just, you know, first time in front of a camera, Billy. <laughs> looks like he was like 12 with a thyroid condition. That's what he looked like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But Get carded for a pack of gum. Yes. Uh, no, but uh, with with Billy, um, I believe uh, what she mentioned was the fact that, yeah, I, I, I think he wanted uh, off the show, I think, is what she was saying. Um I probably should have talked to her. It is a shrewd career move right there. Yeah, and uh, but but apparently, which what the the more interesting factoid about it was that had he stayed on, uh, that he very much would have uh, been one of the final five Cylons potentially, uh, hmm. because because the need for Tori would not have been necessary uh, because her character was brought in to fill the role of what Billy was doing, if, if you remember. Ah. So, uh, so it was just an interesting uh, little factoid. Uh, to, to my sister-in-law, I apologize in advance if I completely butchered that factoid because apparently from Friday evening to now, I can't remember squat. So, um, but I, well, I believe with age. I believe that was the general tone uh, or, or general theme that was being communicated. So, uh, so yes. Billy was uh, apparently wanted out. And then um, he was, oh, I think she mentioned something like he wanted to be brought back as a Cylon at some point, And they were kind of like, ah, no, we got rid of you. See ya. Yeah. So anyways. but um, And that actor, Paul Campbell. Yes. Yes. Who, interesting side note, I, and I think this was on one of the Battlestar Galacticasts where Trisha Helfer had mentioned that she was in a Hallmark Christmas movie. With Paul, I mean, which again is not that great of a feat because they only make like eight hundred of those per year. <laughs> so at some point, you know, everybody is going to. I'm I'm pretty sure I might wind up in one of those one of these days. I won't have a major part, but they're they're if they're looking for new blood, they're going to have to go real far and wide to find it. You would play guy at Starbucks coffee shop. Yes, which I'm f no, it wouldn't be Starbucks because it would have to be in that small town right. where the where the uh, where one of the people one of the main characters gets stuck. So it would be like you know, Joe Bob's Coffee and Bait Shack, basically. <laughs> and I'm hoping to get Joe Bob, but I'm probably going to be customer number three. But yeah. you know, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's all right. We'll I we'll was, we'll uh, take. I was we'll once take. I was once prison informant number two on a on a TV show, so I I'll I'll take customer three. I'm not picky. There you so, go. So, but, but I, apparently Trisha Helfer was going to be on the show with him, and she was she was all nervous because she's like, oh my gosh, he says like baby face. He's going to make me look. Oh, this is going to be weird. Like we're supposed to be a couple, and he's going to look so young, and I'm going to look older, and all this. And then apparently he showed up. And he's like, oh cool, he's got some wrinkles. <laughs> 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 like he doesn't look like he's 14 anymore. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. 
Anywho, that's, th- that's my bit for you. But a thank you to uh, to to Heather for for watching, for listening, for for tweeting, commenting, and and keeping us honest. We appreciate. Yes, it. Yes, yes. The best fracking fan that you could possibly imagine, right? <laughs> oh, good lord. I mean, oh. when 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 they made fans, they fracking broke the mold when they oh. made her. I think. Mm-hmm. All right. You know. <laughs> I know what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> you. Oh, you, you, man. You better fracking believe it. That's oh, it. Geez. <laughs> Good God. Anyways, oh. if you want in on that joke, you got to go search back through Twitter. And, and <laughs> could somebody please follow us on Twitter? I'm tired of looking at, at Twitter and seeing, like, oh, 14 followers. Oh, that's fantastic. We're really putting the word in the street. Put the word and, in the streets, baby. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure one of those accounts is a Cab Calloway uh, fan account, which is odd. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so let's get on to the uh, the first order of business of the evening, sir. Uh, uh, what you drinking? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Oh, wait a minute, we gotta get. Oh, it. oh, where are you? There it is. Oh, we got ourselves another can. Another can. Uh, we are doing. This evening, we are having and, and sampling and enjoying a Dog Fish Head 60-Minute IPA. Ooh, isn't that, the, isn't that like the uh, the potent one, or is that the 90-Minute? 90-Minute's uh, more potent. 60-Minute is about uh, 6% ABV. Ah, uh, okay. So not, nice. not and, and then, and then uh, one second, and then in the holster here uh, as backup, we have the uh, Daisy Cutter Pale Ale Half Acre. Is is what will be uh, in backup. So. Oh, okay. I pretty much, I'm pretty much like just derided you out of ever getting any Goose Island beer again, haven't I? Like you just, you're like I'm. You can, you know what? You're probably, you probably are drinking Goose Island, and you're just telling me it's these other beers. No, because you see, I, I had Goose Island for the latter half of 2019, so I I need to you know spend time elsewhere and come back to it come the fall. So I see. I that's, see. That's how this works. Then you'll get back involved in the and the MLM, and we can all enjoy that again. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as for myself, I'm enjoying uh, yet another Stone Delicious IPA. Uh, this is by the Stone Brewing Company, and it is a gluten removed IPA, a citrusy IPA with lemon drop and Eldorado hops. Like I even know what that means, but hey, it tastes good. Uh, it is a seven percent, seven point seven percent alcohol per volume. Uh, in case anyone is keeping score at home, and I'm just dropping the empty can all over the place. And yeah, so that's what I got. Very nice. Very nice. All right, so let's get down to the business at hand, which is really. A tale of of two Star Wars movies, uh, and mm-hmm. what, are they, what were these called again? Was it like a Star Wars uh, Star Wars story? Yes, or something like that. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Ro- Ro- got- Rogue One was called a Star Wars story, and then Solo, um, I think, was just called Solo. <laughs> well, no, I think it's. I think it did have the. It did oh no, the- no, I'm sorry. It did. It did have the tag. I just took a look at the at the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it seemed so- like a Star Wars story is what they were putting on these like standalone movies. Yeah, so the funny part of this being, oh man, this is going to give me a hard time. All right, so Solo was released in 2018, and Rogue One was released in, I should have had this up already, but I didn't, 2016. So, really, one of these people... Uh, if if they don't love it, they respect it. Mm-hmm. The other one is the is the movie that basically killed all future Star Wars spinoff movies. <laughs> <laughs> 
So well, that's I have why a theory for why that is. Well, we and we will uh, discuss. Oh, I've got many theories of of why that is. There's there is no shortage of reasons why uh, solo. It ended up being the 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 straw that breaks the camel's back when mm-hmm. it comes to Star Wars uh, side stories and Kathleen Kennedy. There's many <laughs> reasons why, uh, and we can get into a lot of them. But for for the two divergent ways that they have been uh, received, really, they're kind of they're, there's a lot of similarity between these movies, uh, which mm-hmm. is I think is interesting because it's not something I necessarily thought about until we really decided to do this. Yes. So we got two heist movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're both really centered around heist sort of uh, sort of deal. And they both had a buttload of background drama involved mm-hmm. in the making of the movies. Yes. Which I, 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 for a geek like me, is terribly interesting stuff. Yes. Um, so uh, let's, let's just kind of run down a, a real quick, real quick, just for anybody who does not understand or know uh, all of the background with this stuff. Uh, Rogue One uh, basically started out, it was an idea from a longtime Lucasfilm employee, uh, John Knoll, and it really was started its developmental life 10 years before it was actually in production. Uh, it was directed by Gareth Edwards, who is a, a Star Wars uh, super fan, I believe. If I'm remembering right, he is the guy who I think he went to for like his 30th birthday or something. He went to Tunisia so he could go to Luke Skywalker's family's, uh, the, the the home that is, well, the hole in the ground. That <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think they left those buildings up, did they? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like the igloo and stuff like that. Like that was that was made out of concrete. Like some of that stuff is still there. Ah, and interesting. You can you can actually go down and and, and it is like a, a tourist track. It's out in the middle of nowhere, I believe, but Jeez. it's it is actually still there. Wow. Um, so Gareth Edwards was a big uh, Star Wars fan. However, uh, at the the end of the process, there was extensive reshoots uh, by mm-hmm. Tony Gilroy, who mm-hmm. is a who also I believe he wrote most of the Bourne movies and, and directed at least one of them. Uh, and he was also a screenwriter or ended up becoming a screenwriter for some of the rewrites and, and stuff that he did. He ended up getting a screenwriter credit. And I think he got a second unit director credit. He didn't direct enough to actually get a co-director credit, but he, he apparently a, he did a lot of work, especially in the third act of Rogue One, that okay. really kind of clarified. Because you, if you look at some of the shots that were in the, uh, the very first Rogue One trailer, mm-hmm. Ain't nothing like that happening in the actual movie. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. and there's some explanation for that, but it, it's also kind of like eh, that might have been a little bit of a smoothing of the revisionist history. Like you you took a big old lick off of the cake and then you smooth the frosting over to hide your fingerprints, kind of thing. <laughs> um, Solo actually started a development under George Lucas. So this started with the Star Wars Godfather, mm-hmm. which is, again, really funny that this is the most de- the more derided of the two because it just lends more credence to the fact that, you know, I don't think, I don't know if George is either, like, this fantastic, like, god of cinema or if he's just, like, dude got lucky. I don't know. I can never make up my mind. But there's not a lot of in-between there. Yeah. So Solo started out development under George Lucas uh, with Lawrence Kasdan, uh, who, uh, as a screenwriter, who is the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back, Indiana Jones. I think he was also co-screenwriter on uh, screenwriter on Return of the Jedi as well. Uh, so then after Lucasfilm got sold to Disney, Kasdan left because he had another project going on and then basically left his kid to finish the story. Lucas was off the project. And then you had Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, who were the original directors. 
And uh, you might remember, those names might sound familiar. Uh, Lord Miller, uh, they've done well for themselves. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they, they, they were the original directors. They got canned by Kathy Kennedy because apparently they were uh, improvising too much and they were... I don't know. There was a there was a very uh, I, I haven't been able to track down exactly what was going on, but apparently Kathy Kennedy was not having it, so she was off. Then they brought in Ron Howard to finish this. At the end of the day, seventy percent of the movie is Ron Howard's, so mm-hmm. he does get the directorial credit. So they did a ton of work on this movie and spent a lot of extra money to go back and reshoot, and they actually ended up recasting one of the characters entirely. Yeah. Yeah. The the villain was entirely recast, yeah. and uh, and so Ron Howard gets the the direct credit. Uh, Lord Miller still get I think a producer credit or something like that. But that was like their going away present. Uh, but don't feel don't cry for them Argentina because their next project after that was uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. They did quite well for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they're feeling all right about that. Yes. So a lot of drama for both of these flicks. And I know so, I just talked a whole lot. So you you tell me what you think about all that. Well, and, and just a quick question for you. So was Gareth Edwards fired or was it just that Tony Gilroy took no. over and reshot some things? No. So Tony Gilroy took over and shot some things. And you can kind of tell because obviously Lord Miller have nothing to do with yeah. Solo. Yeah. If you go back and you watch like the extras on the DVD, because mm. again, I'm, I'm the guy who has the DVD. And uh, so there is Gareth Edwards, I think, has a commentary track. He also is a big part of the making of documentary and all that stuff. So obviously had a good relationship through the entire process good enough so that it wasn't like they called him to like hey you want to do the dvd extras and like uh who fo- new phone who disc click yeah. it, it it wasn't that so and and from what i've read as well like the idea of doing major reshoots for a, a film of this size it's not as unusual as kind of people blew it up to be it was star wars so they're like oh my gosh but apparently you know most large action movies with a budget like this, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of reshoots. You're going to go, get to a point and be like, oh, hey, we need this, this, and this, and this. But I thought I, I thought the thing I read that was the biggest change in the reshoots of Rogue One was the role that Vader played. Because I think the yes. ending scene where he kind of has this this death march he does where he's just slaughtering mm-hmm. the rebel soldiers and, and trying to get his hands on the plans, um, like that was something that, that Tony Gilroy introduced, yes. I thought, and, and yes. was not originally part of it. So, um, so that that part at the end that I think a lot of fans really enjoyed, and and you know, again, it, it was it was a wonderful way to underscore, you know, the 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 viciousness of of Vader during during his prime um, mm-hmm. was was reshot and and done, um, you know, a- after the fact, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and there was a lot of. Um Although, I, if I'm remembering it, I actually I, I neglected to pull this up, uh, so I don't have it in front of me. But there was a lot of stuff that Gareth Edwards did that was kind of that was kind of cool that he added yeah. in little touches. But yeah, that that was something that Gilroy did. They added that in, which is I can't even imagine the movie without that now because oh my gosh, because I, I mean the battle on Scarif, not to get too ahead of ourselves, was so epic. You know, uh, everything is going on in the ground. Everything is going on in the air. Everything is going on in space. It's huge. And then to go from that to, like, basically a minute and a half, two minutes of, like, the only way I can put it, and, and, you know, earmuffs if you got little kids here, is, like, geek-gasm. It was, like, oh, it was the thing that you always wanted to see Darth Vader do. Yeah. 
and you got to see it. And it was like Darth Vader at his most vicious and just powerful. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was amazing. So to think of that movie without that, I mean, especially yeah. after that battle, you're kind of not expecting that. Right. You're kind of not expecting You're like, oh, my gosh, the movie's over now. Oh, wait. <laughs> we got one more. Yeah. Holy shnikes, dude. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, so there was a lot. Uh, I think a lot of those changes were in that third act. Well, and, and I think the other thing they switched over was I think at one point he was supposed to be on the Death Star and mm-hmm. they ended up adding the scene where Krennic goes to Mustafar. Yeah, which is awesome, which which was very well done. I mean, it was it was a nice way to kind of pull in, you know, because because, again, like with Ro- unlike with Solo, Rogue One was kind of bridging this gap that exists between episode three, Revenge of the Sith and episode four, A New Hope. And yeah. it was a really nice touch to have because Mustafar really didn't get introduced until episode three. Um, yeah. So it was really kind of a neat way to bridge that gap by have, by showing that he now has this like castle, you know, that exists on this planet where he kind of, you know, isolates himself. And um, so it was it was a very, you know, I, I, I don't know if I would call it paying off, you know, fan service with that scene, but it was it was definitely, uh, you know, something I think a lot of fans enjoyed. Um, the other thing that Rogue One had um, and Solo really didn't, um, I don't know, really had anything that was like this sort of thing was, you know, Rogue One experimented with um, the uh, the special effects of, of Tarkin and what they ended up yes. doing with Prince of Leia, where, yeah. where they took two characters who, um, you know, in the case of Princess Leia at the time they shot it, I believe it was just a, a way to de-age or not, not even de-age Carrie Fisher. It was just to take something from, you know, a new hope and try to like recreate essentially Carrie Fisher, but, but do it completely through, through special effects. And Tarkin, of course, had the actor who played him, uh, whose name I do not have in front of me. uh, Oh shoot. Yeah. I know. Long since, long since passed away. Um, But I thought they did an extremely serviceable job of, of, of bringing him in for whatever it was, the, the tenor or, 15 minutes of, of presence that he has in the movie was really, really well done. Um, I was watching it again today and just, you know, really is kind of, I mean, I mean, yes, I know it is a completely, you know, generated, you know, image of this person with, I mean, there was an actor playing it and they kind of mapped over Tarkin's face, but yeah, but it still was just, it was very ahead of its time, very much in the vein of what star Wars has always done, which is pushed, you know, special effects to, to the, the, the limits of, of what can be done at that time. And, and yeah, really did a fantastic job with that so yeah so so for rogue one i think the reshoots and 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 a lot of the work they did really paid off for solo it really seemed like the thing i got out of uh you you had sent me that verge article about it and the thing i kind of took away from it was it just seemed like the 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 lord and miller duo just didn't seem to strike the right tone that kasdan and his son were were shooting for and uh, and it seemed like Ron Howard was a little bit more in sync with what they wanted to do. Um, it's hard to say if it was just more because he was more in sync with what the business wanted versus what what Lord and Miller were, were trying to do and and, and yeah. the creativity they were trying to bring to it. So uh, so it's well, it's interesting to note that these two standalone movies, um, mm-hmm. it really seems like Disney was struggling to kind of understand the role they were going to play, you know, as movies where where they weren't part of the trilogy they were just kind of their own thing. The the beginnings of these movies, thankfully, they they treated very differently from from the the classic trilogy. You know, there was no yeah. there was no opening scroll. There there was no um, you know standard sort of treatment to, to the movie that that the classic trilogy or the prequels or 
uh, or seven through nine got, you know, I mean, they, they just kind of start out in their own very unique and character, just have their own character in terms of how, how the movie starts. Yeah. Well, I, I remember going to see Rogue One and there's no crawl. And I'm like, well, what the heck? And I'm like, oh, the prequel trilogy is the crawl. Right, <laughs> the, right. There's right. there's not really any need for it. Like if you need a crawl at the beginning of this movie, you the chances are you aren't going to see this movie you know, just cold. Right. I think the interesting thing, and by the way, it was Peter Cushing was the guy who played Tarkin. Thank you, uh, thank you, Peter Cushing. And uh, I think the thing that is interesting is uh, with Lord and Miller getting fired, uh, the the thing that kind of came out with different actors talking is like they were still kind of trying to discover what the story was, what the characters were, what the movie was. And I think that's part of the... Part of the issue with that is like you can kind of do that on other movies. Mm-hmm. For Star Wars, that ain't gonna fly. Even though you're you're doing something that's very different, and I think that what ended up happening here is Rogue One. They gave the. It was funny because uh, one of the things that I read was that actually Jin and Cassian lived in one of the drafts. Right. Like they right. they actually they actually had them living through the movie. Hey, spoilers. They don't make it. Um, so. <laughs> They and because they were worried that that Lucasfilm and Disney was not going to want to have that dark of an ending, right? And to their credit, they they said no, everyone got to die, which makes sense because you never see these characters again. It's like they're kind of a big deal, and you would definitely have these guys showing up in other places. They wouldn't just go away. Right? They would be heroes of the rebellion, and you have to have them in there. So you you either have to do that or explain their absence. So. It's credit being due. They 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 took that chance and they went dark with it. They went for a very darker tone and a dark ending. And even though you end up the movie, it's hope. You know that's great. Except you're you know, Darth Vader just killed like eighty guys in a hallway. But when they came to Solo, they were they were trying to kind of go for that same gritty dark tone. And they, I think the problem was, at that point the machine was rolling so. Fast you know, in, in such a way that they're like, okay, don't experiment, just give us the movie. Right. And, and when you right. start then getting into budget and things like that, I think that's where the patience ran out because yeah. it's like yeah. you're, you're three months into a four month shoot. I think it was, mm-hmm. and you're still figuring the movie out. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's done. And I think part of the success that Ron Howard went in is, and I, I remember in one of those articles uh, that, that we read, he, he kind of basically said, I knew that I couldn't go in and ask everyone else to figure it out. You know, if anyone was right. figuring it out, I would figure it out and then everyone else would just follow. You know, he right. couldn't he's like I couldn't confuse other people. Right. I had to be the one confused. So he just kind of went with it. And mm-hmm. that was probably a great way to go at that point cuz you're just like, okay, I just need to get to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, that was probably to his benefit that he was able to do that. And also the fact, I mean, Ron Howard at that point, I mean, good Lord, that guy had directed so many flicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd worked with Lucas back in American Graffiti. He directed mm-hmm. a film for Lucas with Willow. I mean, he made Apollo 13. He has he has experience with, you know, with, you know, drama, with special effects, with anything that you could ask for. Yeah. So this dude has, has been through a lot and has also been an actor. So he's familiar with that side as well. So you're really, it's, it, it's about as good as you can get in terms of bringing in like a pinch hitter, you know? Right. Um, right. So yeah. I think that was, that was actually his biggest asset. He just got there. was like, I just got to finish this thing yep, yep. <laughs> and survive. You know, I have some other thoughts, but I will uh, defer them to when we get to the overall story category. 
Yeah. But so uh, so quick before we get into the the categories here. Mm-hmm. Quick overall, uh, just one thing I wanted to say is I when I when they first came out, did your opinion change in this rewatch as opposed to when you watched them initially? Not really, um, because well, I don't know if I want to say say much more because it may give away where where we're going with all this. But mm. <laughs> but, That's but no, fine. if you don't, if you don't want to get into it, I will say that the first I think the first time I watched both and then the rewatch of both. I came away with very similar um, opinions. I, I I don't think I saw anything that changed it. If if anything on rewatch, maybe I was a I was not feeling as harsh towards Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say the very first time I watched Solo, it it just kind of I left the theater like, eh. you know. I mean, it just and I'll yeah. get into why when we get into the overall story because I think that is a key aspect of why one worked and one maybe didn't work so well and why one like we were just talking about why there was so much churn and drama with with one of these movies um you know maybe more so with one of these movies than with the other um and and i think a lot of it has to do with and we've talked about this and this this will be my six degrees of bsg but it goes it it goes back to the story It, Mm. it, it a lot of it goes back to the story and and i think there's a reason why Rogue One maybe had a bit I don't want to say an easier go of it but it was a the the opportunity was greater for it to strike a chord with fans than mm. I think the solo movie did and, and I'll get into why that is momentarily how about you what about you first time versus rewatch so first time I saw Rogue One I, I loved it absolutely loved it and I've probably rewatched that movie as much as any other Star Wars movie um, in the past, since since that one came out, yeah. I, I don't, I haven't rewatched the original trilogy as much. I, I rewatched it with my kid, and I've rewatched a couple of the um, the the post trilogy, which is I, I, whatever we're calling the third trilogy, and um, I probably rewatched Rogue One at more than any of those yeah. at this point. Yeah. I just I just really like it. It's a nice self contained flick that also informs you about other stuff. Mm-hmm. Solo, I didn't even see it in the theater. That's how dedicated I was to this. And this is someone who, I mean, I love me some sci I mean, it's obvious. I love me some sci-fi and some mm-hmm. geekery stuff. And I didn't go see it in the theater. Like, I, I, it completely passed me by yeah. that I was like, oh, wait, that's out? All right, well, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and even when I was thinking about to go going to see it, it was like an afternoon. It was like a Thursday afternoon that I just, I happen to have nothing going on. I'm like, hey, might as well go see Solo. Oh, it's yeah. gone. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, well. I guess I'll go do anything else. And when I finally saw it, I watched it, and then my initial reaction was, all right, well, I guess I never have to watch that again. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Covered. And uh, re-watching it, though, and especially re-watching it uh, with with my kid, because we actually we watched it together when I I saw it for the first time anyways, and re-watching it, man, I, I was a lot... I was a little bit more impressed. I was a lot gentler on it, and I thought, you know, I could see myself maybe rewatching this again. I found mm-hmm. a few more things that I found charming in it, and uh, it my my maybe I'm just getting old and I'm a I'm a big softy at this point. I don't know, but I I my my I've warmed up to it a little bit. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But I'm but maybe not enough. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not enough. As we will soon find out. All right, so let's start the breakdown. Break it down. 
Mm-hmm. First category. We are so we've got a couple of different categories. I'll run down the categories first, and then we'll get well, into the actual. Well, categories. actually, before you list off the categories, in the immortal yes, words sir. of Carl Weathers playing Apollo Creed at the end of Rocky Three, "Ding, ding!" Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> That is so great, and then they time it to like the anyway. Eh, okay, I'm just gonna geek out about now. I'm gonna have to go watch that after this. That'll be <laughs> you're welcome. This is an odd evening talking about Rogue One solo, and then I'm gonna go watch Rocky Three. Downshift right into Rocky Three. There you go. Yeah, you know, I had the tiger, man. I had the tiger, and that awkward beach scene. Ooh, it's. <laughs> The, the 80s when short shorts were the thing, man. Yes. I, there's a lot of trends that I hope don't come back. I hope those don't come back because <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you right now, I ain't got the legs for that. I just don't. I just don't. I, I know that's more information than people know, but need to know. But the categories, sir. The categories. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I get so confused. Uh, so our categories are overall story, primary characters, secondary characters, villain, action sequences, droids, and the overall fit within the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. So first category, overall story for Solo. uh, Let's go for Rogue One. uh, We're getting the plans for the Death Star. It's the heist getting those plans. And uh, and kind of in, in a... In a larger sense, the redemption of and and awakening of the rebellion for Jin Erso, and also a renewal of of what the re- what that rebellion was for Cassian. Mm-hmm. Uh, then also um, for Solo, uh, basically it's how Han Solo becomes Han Solo. <laughs> really, kind of it. Can't put it any other way. <laughs> I mean, there's it, not much to it, really. You know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. who do you got in this one? So here, here's my my what I was kind of deferring, uh, you know, to, to this category. I I really feel like, and and maybe this is helping me kind of be a little less harsh, or as you said, you know, a bit easier on on Solo now. Is I feel like what what did Solo a disservice is um, what I saw and what made you know so wonderful the Mandalorian, which is I really feel like these origin stories belong on TV. Um, mm, I think yeah. one of the things that plagued Solo, and and I kind of jokingly texted this to you, I think on fr- Thursday or Friday or something like that, was, you know, I, I was already getting annoyed with the movie because within the first 15 minutes, he and, and Kira get separated on Corellia. And Han Solo's acting like heartbroken about this. Yeah. We, 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 we've been introduced to her for all of 10 minutes. If that, I mean, really, it's like 10 minutes into the movie. It's right. like maybe five minutes with screen time with her. <laughs> and and I think one of the things that, that ends up... And play- in between there, you have the giant worm. Right. So that kind right. of distracts from the whole relationship just a bit. Exactly. But but I think what ends up plaguing this movie is they're trying to get you to care about him and these characters that, you know, impacted his life, you know, when he was very young um, mm-hmm. and do it in a very accelerated fashion. You know, the, the, the only one that kind of maybe resonates in the movie is is Tobias Beckett, because he's kind of like, in some ways, his mentor. And and the way that his story plays out, you're kind of like, OK, you know, th- this is how he kind of found his way into the whole smuggling life and, you know, gets burned by this guy and so forth. But 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 everything else about it, about, you know, his relationship with Kira, you know, Lando, uh, Chewie's, uh, you know, his, his relationship with, with Chewbacca, I, uh, you know, one of the positives, I think, is how the, the, the movie does a lot of service to, to kind of telling the story of how they become bonded. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing I noticed on the rewatch that I just didn't pick up before was the freedom that 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 Han gives Chewbacca. You know, when when they're trying to get the coaxium from from the mine, and you know, yeah. Chewbacca wants to go and help a fellow Wookiee or Wookies that are being attacked, and and he and he just turns them loose. He lets them go. You know, and yeah. and and how that kind of bonds the two of them, where Chewbacca. You know, because Han has 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 given him his freedom in a lot of ways, that makes Chewbacca want to be with him. You know, and yeah. so I thought they did a really nice job with that. And and but but overall, you know, the stuff with Lando, I I, I kind of feel like in some ways the the phrase that kept flowing through my head watching Solo again was it, it felt like a checkbox flick. There there are checkboxes they needed to check. You know, yeah. meets up with Lando, plays Sabic, check. You know, yeah. wins the Millennium Sabah. Falcon or, or some, oh gosh, there we go again. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I got I got to call you on it. Thank I gotta you. Call you. Thank on you. It. Otherwise, otherwise, Jimmy Dice is going to come over to my house and just he's just going to hit me with a blackjack and be like, "How did you not correct that?" Uh, well, no, I fair enough, fair enough. I I got my Star Trek confused with my Star Wars. It's Lieutenant Savick. <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's Sabak. Excuse me. Um, you confuse Kirsty Alley with with a card game. Well, pronunciation of names it's it's very yeah. easy to do. Um, I can see that. But anyways, um, but you know, you traded the Bluesmobile for a microphone. <laughs> All right, I can see that. I can see that. Um, you <laughs> Which know, is such a musician thing. Like most of the musicians in that audience be like, "All right, yeah, fair I, enough." I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> you know, doing the Kessel Run checkbox. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there, there's just a uh, there's a lot of stuff they just had to pay service to in if, if they were going to make this an origin story. And I think if they did solo as maybe like a one season, you know, like we talked about Watchmen last time, if you took one season, did about 10 episodes, I think you could do a serviceable story for, for the point that the movie was trying to make. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that you could do solo as a five season sort of story arc. It's more about, can you give the story time to breathe? Can you make people care about the characters and, help you know kind of give these relationships some room to develop so that when things do happen you actually care about it you know what i mean because that that's what i feel like was really lacking there now rogue one on the other hand when i look at that story especially when i it really stood out to me the difference in storytelling because you you get to understand very early in the movie you know the the ursos why you know galen's work that he had to do with the Death Star, his separation from his daughter, uh, Saw Gerrera. You, you know, there, there's just all of this, like, like there's just a pacing to, to the story and the, and they're doing world building and they're doing it in a way that just makes sense to service the story. Partially mm-hmm. because that story doesn't require a lot of twists in it. If, if you want to, I think that's a category we're missing here is twists because that's a category Solo probably beats Rogue One on. <laughs> there, there's a flurry of these twists at the end that they try to pull to kind of yeah. maybe have it feel like it's got some some weight and some some craziness going on. And yeah. Rogue One was a very direct story, you know, and, and so I think mm-hmm. they did a really nice job you know, building the characters, having you care about the relationships, the, the relationship with her and her father, you know, and just, and, and how that, that plays out throughout the course of the movie. And, and then also just the, uh, the way that, that this is again, bridging this gap. It's, it, I mean, both of these movies are, are essentially filling in details for characters or events that lead into another story. And, you know, for Rogue One, I just think, because everyone's very familiar with a new hope it, it it just it tied it a whole lot better you know I, yeah. I i think the story they told was better you got to care about these characters 
um, you know, like Chirrut and, and Baze and, and Cassian, you know, you don't have a lot of time with them, but the time you do have with them, they make it count, you know, and, yeah, and, and fair enough. And so toward the end of the movie, when everything, when the plan is playing out and, and I think, again, what, what I think really worked for Rogue One was making it dark, sending them in to, to do this mission and, and not letting them get away, I think is a very real and, and very true way to tell this story because the sacrifice ends up bringing about the hope that Dave Filoni in, in you know, Disney galleries was talking about that, yeah. that Lucas told him about always leave them with hope. So even though it has that dark ending to it, it's, it's teaching a story or telling a story and teaching about sacrifice and what sacrifice means and, mm-hmm. and how sacrifice isn't the end. It is a bridge of sorts to hope. And so I think that that was a really kind of neat, uh, I hate saying the word neat. I'm really working on that. Um, <laughs> I, I felt it was a very, very interesting way to tell that. There story. you go. There we go. All right. So you're giving that one to Rogue One. I'm, I'm, I'm giving Rogue One the nod on this one. All right. I, I will as well for for many of the reasons that you are. However, I will I will pick a few nits here. So please do. I, I, here's the here is my overarching reason why I think Rogue One's story sits better and, and feels better and we, we identify with it better. We don't need to know all this stuff about Han Solo. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't want to see it. We don't need to see it. It's actually more interesting the less that you know about him and the more kind of tall tales that you hear about him. It's one of right, those things right. where it's better. It's it's he he could should have been more of a Baron von Munchausen sort of character, which if you Actually, this might be my my another thing for this week. Anyways, but uh, I'll I'm I'm going to dive into that later. But I so, digress. <laughs> so it's he's more interesting if you don't know if some of that stuff is real and legit or if he's just BSing. It's actually more interesting if you don't know if he actually in fact made the Kessel Run in however many parsecs. Correct. Or Correct. if it's if it's just BS that he made up. He's because he, that's what he kind of does. Right. He he right. And, like and we saw that brilliantly in in the Force Awakens where he's trying to like play the the guy who's coming to collect his money and then all of a sudden the other dude shows up and he doesn't even stop then. Right. Right. You know, and he keeps trying to do it. And before, when he's when he's sending a, a, a Ray and and um, and Finn down into like the the abnormally large like you know service area underneath the grates, which mm-hmm. is conveniently big enough for like two people and like a small elephant to be walking around underneath <laughs> there. Again, on a spaceship where every like bit of space counts, there's these humongous like ventilation ducts. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. and he and he tells Chewie, he's like, "I'll talk my way out of it," and Chewie doesn't. He's like, no, I do every time. You know that sort. Of, he's a he's a more interesting character if you don't know if he's actually lying or not. Correct, correct. We it, don't it, need to see all of this. It, it, you it, know, it, yeah. It goes back to the whole thing of do I need to really know that midi chlorians drive the force? You know what I mean? Like, it's, yes, it, it, it's enough to let the force be the force. Don't yes. don't tell me the science behind it. I you know it's really not something that I'm I'm terribly interested in. It's more about you know the characters and the role it plays you know, in, in what they're trying to carry out. Now, one thing I will grant solo, and, and this is something, you know, the Mandalorian has really struck a chord with too, is I'm always a sucker for going to these new, you know, I, I, the, the star Wars universe of course is huge going to these new planets, these new settings. 
Um, oh yeah, Corellia. Corellia, and seeing like the half assembled Star Destroyers and stuff. Oh, that was awesome. That was incredible. The the, the the train heist. Um, oh well, well let's say because that's action sequences. Let's not get into that. But well, no, no, and, no. But but what I'm saying is yeah. is the location. You know, what I'm saying like, yes. like like going to these different planets, these different locations. Well, dude, and then and then just like in, in the the Kessel Run inside that maelstrom, and all of a sudden yes. you see the Star Destroyer yes. taking up the entire core. Oh, that was beautiful visual. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So so yeah. So I I just think with Rogue One, when when you get to the end of the story, there there's there's an end goal for it. And, and mm-hmm. it's telling a story of how you, uh, you know, it's filling in a gap of something that I think fans, you know, not that they don't care about Han Solo's origin story, but I think the story of how the Death Star plans came to be into the possession of the rebellion was always kind of an interesting detail and being yeah. able to see it, t- you know, carried out in this sort of like a team or oceans 11 or whatever paradigm you want to draw from where it's a group of people with different dun, skills. Dun, that's right. Dun, dun, dun. I love it when a plan comes together. So oh, such a, such a fantastic theme song too. And, and a, a great, a great example of like an elite fighting force and pitted against the, the top military, you know, uh, like the people who are top of the, the U S military, just firing hundreds of thousands of rounds at each other mm-hmm. and ain't nobody hitting nothing. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> I was like, how in the hell did nobody ever get shot even a little bit? I know, I know. <laughs> like everyone has a everyone has a has an automatic machine gun and ain't nobody hitting squat. <laughs> <laughs> These are maybe they weren't as quite as elite as we thought because they couldn't no. hit the broad side of a freaking barn. Nope. <laughs> nope, not at all. Not at all. Anyways. And 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 actually, you know, they're just to tie it back, Starbuck, Dirk Benedict, face. Oh my gosh! And and if, uh, you know, and the, and the oh the great it was it is such an '80s show too. Oh, of like, it is. it's the same damn show every time. You got to break Murdoch out of the out of the mental hospital because somehow mm-hmm. he's back in there. You got to fool BA into getting you know to swallowing the the Xanax or whatever you're giving him because you know don't give me no milk with the you know I mean because you got to drug him because he doesn't like to fly and of course you got to fly everywhere. Hey and hey you, know, you got to you got to pry you got to pry face away from whatever supermodel he's with. I mean, uh-huh. good lord. Get George Papard out of like cryotherapy or whatever. I mean, it was, it, oh, geez. One, hey, one, one more BSG tie-in. Yes, uh, sir. Dwight Schultz ends up playing on Star Trek: The Next Generation, which was written by Ronald D. Moore. Thank you. Yes, and well, I mean, in fact, th- this was the easiest actually tie-in because the original Battlestar Galactica was totally commissioned off of the back of Star Wars hitting theaters and. And somebody being like, "This money in this sci-fi stuff, who got a show? Who got a show?" And Glenn Larson was like, "Hey, I got a show. <laughs> it's got lots of lots of laser fights and like and all kinds of stuff. Perfect. How big of a check can we write you now? You know, I mean, so that was that, that was an easy connection. Yeah, yeah but that's that's a good that's a good point right there. But um, so yeah, but but so we both given that one to Rogue One, I think, safely. Yeah. So so I I think Rogue One just has the story with more heart." to it um i i think um you know it, what what i just really you know it stood out to me again is just is how invested you get into the characters how their stories as they play out you know you you just the emotion just is there you know you care about it it just that that, that just wasn't present for solo you know i think solo is a fun movie but i don't think solo is a movie that 
really carried the same kind of weight and and the story of it just um just i felt was just kind of lacking it, it was an origin story that i think would have played out better on television well okay so I, I i agree and disagree there because i think that yes you definitely care about but they both had the same sort of thing going for them in that you had to care about a bunch of characters you've never seen before and and chance you ain't going to see again yeah. um and and actually rogue one had the harder job because everybody in the in the first half of that movie until you get to until you get to mon Mothy, you don't you ain't seen nobody yeah that you know yeah so you get there, and then you're like, oh hey, there's the person who got cut out of. Uh, didn't she get cut out of like uh, episode four? She was supposed to be in it, and then uh, they cut her out, yes. and then they brought her in episode five. Yes, correct. So, you know, hey, here's here's the the lady in the white robes. That's uh, yep. I know her. Yeah, uh, and, and that's it. Yeah. So, you know, they kind of had that both going for them. Although, of course, the first person you see is Solo, so you're like, oh hey, yeah, that's well, great. The, um, the, but I think I I uh, so one one thing I think. I think Solo, uh, Rogue One did a better job because when they brought out the characters, they really they went full throttle with them. Mm-hmm. Cassian like shows exactly how committed he is. He, he kills a dude within the first like two minutes of him being on screen, mm-hmm. so that he can get away. Yeah. He shows how committed he is to the rebellion, and the, the rebellion is messy. Jin, right. like as soon as you well, you see grown up Jin. I mean, of course, you get like the opening scene, which is oh my gosh, the opening of Rogue One. I mean, kicks Solo's butt so. I mean, the pre before you oh, get yeah. to actually credits, Rogue One is about as perfect of a of a movie mm-hmm. setup as you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. I, I I would defy anyone to find a better opening to a Star Wars a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. I, I think it's fantastic. But anyways, you know, you get Solo right out of the shot. But as soon as you see, as you see Jin as a grown up, yeah. like automatically you start getting her within moments oh yeah because they don't yep. they don't cut any they don't pull any punches yeah whereas with with han hey you kind of guess like oh yeah that's han okay cool right. and then kira you don't really you don't find out much about her like there's not she's just she's the girl well and and that's and that's how she's written and i mean that's that's all they really gave her they didn't give her a whole lot to do and no. i hate to say that because it's no. like that character ends up being kind of interesting but in the first like 10 minutes of the movie uh, okay, yeah. When when it's like, oh my gosh, they're taking her away. Like, who cares? Yeah. Well, and <laughs> she, and she don't seem that interesting to me. I'm sorry. Right, and and you know, you brought up a good point that I I missed with Rogue One is that it's presenting, like you said, the rebellion was messy. You know, like there wasn't. Yes. You know, as much as the movie well, is, it shows that it shows the dark side of rebellion. Right, which that, you never really got. You didn't get like that dark into it. Like it, like you hit get hit right on the head. Like, oh my gosh this dude like kill a guy right right and, and and that's what i mean is that it's it's you know star wars for the most part is very you know i don't want to say it's very idealistic but it has that sort of hero's journey that 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 idealized yeah. sense of at the end of the day the good will good will triumph over evil and mm-hmm. it was interesting for them like the rebellion had never been positioned that way before that it had never yeah. been positioned in a way where it was being somewhat you know subversive in some ways you know with with the mm-hmm. order to take out galen um, with with the way they were, like you said, the way Cassian was operating and so forth. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, again, it, it's another layer to the story that just was lacking in Solo. And honestly, you know, you watch Solo, and like I said, it's a fun, fun flick. You know, it's 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 uh, it it is what it is. But at the same time, I look at it like, okay, if I'm taking this as this character's origin story, you mean to tell me all these significant things that he talked about in in the classic trilogy, 
all of them happened within the span of time. Oh yeah, within like uh, within like seventy two hours. You know what I mean? He meets Lando. <laughs> he takes Lando's ship. He does the Kessel Run. He, meet, yeah. he meets meets Chewie and becomes his part. I mean, it's like like that's the part that I, I I meant when I when I said it should be a TV series that you need to stretch this stuff out. You need to tell the story yes. in, in a longer yeah. time frame than what a movie allows. And and it's, then what does he do for like the next twenty years? Right, right. Because there's no way that the executives at Disney are going to buy into a story where you only tell part of Han Solo's story. It's like, Oh, but the sequels will be really great. You know, it's like yeah. they solo part two. Exactly. You, you know, you, you can't stretch it out. I, I just feel like in some ways movies don't give you the time in some ways to stretch the story, you know, certain stories out that need that stretching and solo, yeah. at least the origin story kind of feels that way. Well, I don't think it's even that I, I, I think this is a story we just didn't need. It's a fun movie. We didn't need it. Yeah. Like the reason, the reason why, and I'm I'm glad that it's the Mandalorian and not Boba Fett. Which again, one of the funny things was apparently uh, Josh Trank was was the guy who was on board for a Boba Fett standalone Star Wars story movie, whatever the heck they call these things, and he was supposed to do that, and he he bailed on it. Which I don't think he actually bailed on it. I didn't do any research, but Josh Trank is one of those guys now who is who he's almost like the Paris Hilton of like directors. Like he's famous for being famous. Like I think he did he did like one maybe two movies. Then he did Fantastic, which was the Fantastic Four reboot, where it's like, hey, what would what would happen if we did a Fantastic Four movie where everyone is like really young and kind of annoying and then we don't have a third act for the movie and the movie just kind of ends oh cool and then he goes hey my movie would have been much better but they locked me out and this and that I was like dude maybe you just had a crappy movie and they realized it and was like eh whatever Right, and so apparently, and 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 now like he's he's also come out and said, well, you know, part of the reason was that the studio didn't want me to cast uh, Sue uh, Sue Storm this way, and blah blah. blah. I was, okay, fine. He he keeps on popping up, and yet he he has done almost nothing of merit right. <laughs> since right. like his first couple of movies. But so it was just kind of funny that he came across the radar in this. Like, oh, he was supposed to do a Boba Fett movie. Thank goodness Josh Trank didn't do a Boba Fett movie. Boba Fett has had enough abuse over the years. I, I think it would have suffered the same fate as Solo. I, I, I oh, just, it totally would have. Yeah. But the problem is, like, you take a step. The reason why the Mandalorian's good is because it's a character you don't know. You get to fully explore them. With Han Solo, it's like you said. You're playing the greatest hits. You have to hit this mark and this mark and yep. this mark. You have to hit this note. You have to do this. You have to do this. And you can't do it over multiple movies. Right. He's right. got to make the Kessel Run in this movie. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. He's got to get the Millennium Falcon, and which was another problem because then at the end of the movie, you know, he sh it should have been a downer. Like, he gets betrayed. Like, the girl that he loves, and he's been all he's – he is single-mindedly. The only reason he's in all of this stuff mm – -hmm is because he's going after the girl, the woman he loves. Right, right. And then he, then she betrays him. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, you're like, okay, this gets me to where Han Solo is, where he's like, I ain't in it for your revolution, I ain't for this, I'm in it for the money. Mm -hmm. That puts me where Han Solo is. But then you have to take me to the part where he goes and he wins the Millennium Falcon, which then ends the movie. I'm like, ah, he cheated Delando. I'm like... What the crap had just happened to all of the like gravitas that you had right, with right. what just happened? Yep. You just blew it. You yep. just blew it all because you want you you got to hit like that one last note. Like, oh wait, we got to show how he gets the Millennium Falcon mm -hmm. from Lando again. Well, and 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 like I it, said, it becomes it becomes it. You become a slave yeah. to the to the story of that character, the backstory of that character, where 
with with Rogue One, all you knew was like a lot of Bothans had to die for this information. Okay, I don't even know mm-hmm. what a Bothan is. Like, I don't even know if any of the people on Scarif were Bothans. I mean, I who knows? Do you do you know what a Bothan is? I don't. Uh, I I don't know what they look like, but I do know they play a role in the Thrawn trilogy, the the classic Thrawn trilogy, uh, heir to the okay. Empire. Uh, well, when I when I get into that book, I will apparently know what a Bothan is. Dark right Force is rising and the Last Command. Don't know. Don't particularly care because I just know Rogue One was a great movie. But I mean, that's <laughs> all the backstory you had. I know is hey, there was plans, we got them, and now we know how to we know how to beat it. Mm-hmm. A lot less that you can do, and you're you're tied to a lot less. Whereas with Solo, you gotta hit this mark, this mark, this mark, this mark, this, and at a certain point, it's just like okay, it's connect the dots. It's paint by numbers. Right. Right. You know, that I, I think that is the that is the major flaw in all of it. Yeah. And that's what it all traces back to. I don't even think it would have been good as a TV show. Maybe it would have. But again, Mandalorian is like you have a blank slate. Yeah, I think. And, it, they've, and they've 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 actually they allowed Favreau to redraw a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like the Ognots and and uh, and like you know we don't remove our helmets and stuff like that because in the in the in Star Wars Rebels and in Clone Wars Mandalorians be taking their helmets off all the time mm-hmm. like that's it ain't no big thing right all of a sudden in the Mandalorian you don't do this this mm-hmm. is the way mm-hmm. well wait a minute what about uh, what's her face and what about what's her face and what about what's his face like. They didn't have any problem. They're taking off like, man, it's kind of hot in here. Yeah. Let me take my helmet off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. No, none of the other Mandalorians like no. Anyways, that's just my thought on it. I didn't mean to to rant quite as much, but and, maybe a, well, maybe a little. And and then you didn't even touch on the fact that they they had to play the old Darth Maul card. Well, actually, that was one of the things I did enjoy. I did enjoy. I did enjoy that bit, and I did enjoy the fact. I did enjoy the fact that she turned on him. Like I thought that was perfect. That that part I don't mind. I I just felt like to bring Darth Maul back in this story, just kind of like, like like to me that again it just it goes back to the fact that I feel like it the, is pandering. The, it's total the pandering. Movie, I get it. Yeah, the movie constrained what they could have done. I think revealing Darth Maul as the head of this gangster organization would have felt so much better and played out so much better on a TV environment, just in a, in a TV show setting. Because oh yeah, you would build yeah. up to it and it would make sense, and you could look forward to seeing what he would be doing. And this was kind of you know I know they were kind of teasing for whatever the sequel to Solo was going to be, which I'm sure is not happening at this point. Um, oh yeah, no, no, no. Um, no. So I that whole plan of like we want a Star Wars movie every year that got yeah. that got poop canned pretty damn quick yeah. after Solo got released. So so yeah, I'm I'm in the Rogue One camp on overall story. Yeah, I think I think Solo it could have worked as a TV show if you just took out Han Solo, just made it about you know it, it's done almost like a Star Wars Rebels sort mm-hmm. of thing or whatever. Just give me some new characters. Give me a give me another smuggler. Yep, yep. And 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 you could have you could have had a lot of fun with it. Oh, absolutely. Anyways, absolutely. All right, so let's do our. We spend like twenty minutes on that. Oh my gosh, we gotta we gotta we gotta sprint on this one. I think now. a couple right. of these are gonna go kind of quick though. I I, oh, I don't see us spending a lot of time on some of these because we've already kind of hit on some of the the, the, the big points. I'm glad you're optimistic. I'm not. Okay. So Primary characters. So uh, for uh, for Rogue One, we've got Jin Erso, Cassian Andor, Chirrut, Imwe, uh, and then uh, Baze Malbus, and then Galen Erso. 
So, uh, and then uh, for Solo, we have Han Solo, Tobias Beckett, Kira, and Donald, uh, Lando Calrissian, and Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Who you got? So I am going to give this a push. I'm giving this a tie uh, for this category. Uh, and uh, no, we can't do. T- I don't know how to score. How do we score a tie? You give one to each of them. One to each? Yeah, it's a tie. Really? Yeah. Wow, you're just you're oh, such a cheater. All right, fine. Well, I I will give you my reasoning. So I, the reason I gave it a push, and, and honestly, this is I think where the rewatch of Solo kind of gave it. A little bit of an advantage here. I really thought the 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 characters portrayed in the movie were done very well. I thought Alden, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, Arenrick. 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 Who plays I, I, young Han Solo did a phenomenal job. I think he captured the spirit of what what Harrison Ford put forth very well. Which apparently Harrison Ford loved his portrayal. Absolutely. And actually, Absolutely. And, and, and I could Harrison see Ford doesn't love anything. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> And then, except like, except like rescuing people with his helicopter. That's it. That, apparently, that and Solo. Those are the only two things Harrison Ford loves. Yeah, maybe and, his kids. And, and then, know. and then Donald Glover playing Lando Calrissian was just oh. amazing, amazing, <laughs> fantastic. He, oh. he, he hit all of the Billy D beats, and then some, and more, and oh. then some. So, uh, and and then you know, I thought uh, you know. I never thought I'd think that Woody Harrelson in a Star Wars movie would work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to have him play that that kind of stereotypical, you know, kind of mentor role uh, for, for Han Solo um, yeah. and kind of take him under his wing and make him part of his crew and stuff, I, I thought was, was, you know, I thought he did a really good job. And, and he, he um, you know, I, so, so overall, you, you know, the cast I felt was really, really good. And it was hard for me to give you know, solo the, the nod on its own to say their cast was better than rogue one. Cause rogue one is pretty, pretty, oh, pretty yeah. strong, you know? Yeah. Uh, f- f- you know, Felicity Jones as Jin Erso was just amazing. Cassie mm-hmm. Andor was, was a great character. Um, Oh, Diego Luna is, is insanely, I mean, he's been in some, he's been in like, like a thousand movies. Yep. They, they I, I just, I remember when they listed how many movies he was on. Are you serious? He's, he can't be that old. Right. Like, he must make a movie like every week. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. He's just fantastic. Um, you know, Don, Donnie Yen is, as yes. way was just incredible. I mean, just brought this, you know, this really interesting character who's like a, a, a devotee of, of the force, but not a clear force, you know, user or, or, you know, similar to what a Jedi would be, you know, or, or mm, mm-hmm. um, so I, I thought that character was strong. You know, his partner, Baze Melbus was fantastic. Oh, and Galen, yeah. Galen Urso is kind of the mastermind behind the, the weakness that brings down the death star was, was just Dude, incredible. Let me just ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you wouldn't want to see Mads Mikkelsen in anything? No, anything. No. I want to see him in a sitcom. Well, I thought that's what you meant. Is there anything I wouldn't want to see him in? No, I think I no. would. I would want to see him in a sitcom. I think he'd be fantastic. Yeah, but I, 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 I just want to. I, I don't even want it to be like a. I want it to be one of those like 1990 shows where they didn't even bother to think up an actual real title and just be like the Mads <laughs> Mikkelsen show. That's what I want. And it's just it's just random stuff every week. I would I would love that. Um, oh my gosh, he's he's amazing. So it it's hard for me to give. So like I understand why why one would want to give Solo the nod on this one. It's almost like kind of mm-hmm. a, 
a charity sort of vote here, but at the same time. Oh, <laughs> oh I see where we're headed with this. Oh, my gosh. But uh, I, And I, the bias begins to seep out. I know. I, I, I really feel like it's a push, though. I, I think both casts were, were very well. It was well cast, well acted, strong characters all around. You know, I, I mean, that that is the fun part with Solo, you know, to see a young Lando and a young Han interact was 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 uh, was fun for me as a fan to see seeing Chewbacca, you know, and, and that kind of moment when he and Han are in the Falcon cockpit was fun to see. Um, yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, Chewbacca is just one of those timeless characters. I mean, you just you know, there, there were those moments in it where you, you just like like I said, that moment when he went to go help the Wookiee and. Um, or, or the couple Wookiee slaves that there were, and just that you know the, the way he kind of says goodbye to him, where they kind of touch heads before they, before he has to run onto the Falcon and get out of there, was just you know he's always brought heart, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to to say one was better than the other. I, I I think in this case, both, you know, if Solo has a strength, it's it's really you know its primary characters are very very strong. Yeah. I would agree. And and so unlike my my co-conspirator in this podcast, I can actually make a decision and make oh, a choice geez. and stick by it instead of being completely, you know, milk toast. You like, just don't You just don't like math. You just don't like math. It's not, I don't like math. Oh, well, I, that's of all the things you could cite me for right now. That's got to be about the weak assest thing I could possibly oh think my of. Gosh. Anyways, so I'm gonna go with Solo on this, all and, right. and this is definitely against type because honestly, I I okay. So here's the thing: I think Rogue One has the better overall cast. Mm-hmm. I really do because for all the reasons that you said, Diego Luna is. Amazing, Donnie Yen, Zhang Wen, uh, Maz Mickelson, Felicity Jones, who I thought was really good. I think Felicity Jones was really fantastic in the fact that Krennic? she was able to. S- you left Krennic out of the list, or well, no? We're, oh, we're villain, best- villain. Never mind. Yeah, we My we, we got to save them. We got to save them. Yeah. So, uh, so I think Felicity Jones did a great job of selling that kind of. Uh, she had a tough job. I mean, she has to be able to to be, you know to have this wound of, of, of her family just like as far as she knows dead right. uh, or right. as she even hopes she's like I hope he's dead you know watches her mom gets gunned down and, and all of this stuff and, and plays all this and plays kind of like this way uh, this way of uh, I want to be tough and you don't you know and this and that and the other but then embraces the idea of rebellion right you know right. And, and, and does a fantastic job I love that character I love it I love the strength that she brings. Yes, you know she she and, she, she brings yeah. a lot of strength to the character, and she in, in the way she plays it, and uh, and 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 that's yeah. I mean, it's just it, it's hard for me to pick one. It really is. Yeah, and even that moment when she when the when the when they're having like the ambush uh, in in Jetta City where where she runs out and gets the child, like that's really kind of the beginning of her turning to like turning away from this like selfish. I just don't care. I, I don't care. I've got my armor up, and I'm just not going to let anything in. And all of a sudden, she's running out and risking her life for this little kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's, and again, and it's an action scene, so there's not a ton there. But I think she does a fantastic job of portraying a little bit of a change in the character in that moment. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to do in an action scene because, really, you're like, ooh, explosions, ex- you know, laser blasts, things, you know, tank, and I, stormtroopers. I love the back and forth between her and Saw Gerrera. 
when, he, oh, when, yes. when he says to her, you would stand by while the empire, you know, conquers and takes over or something. Oh, effect. yes. And, and her response was oh, just, no, the, you, you would, you would see the, the, the banner of the empire over the galaxy. Yes. And she said, I could live with it as long as I don't look up or something like oh, that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, oh. oh my gosh. Did I write that down? I didn't, but it, but yeah, it's not a problem if you don't look up. Thank you, thank oh. you. Yes, yes, yes. Damn, and I know that's a writer's line, but the way she says it, mm-hmm. the way she delivers that line, that all being said, and and Mads Mikkelsen again, who I would, good lord, I'd watch him in a one man whatever, uh, you know, sketch comedy whatever. I'm I'm in for whatever. If Mads is in it, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I am not a I'm not a huge fan of Alden. Iron Reich, um, yeah, yeah, fine. I get it. You know, I think the I, I think he hit some of the solo notes. Whatever, Kira. Yeah, I mean, I kind of liked her towards the end, but again, at the beginning, not a whole lot, dude. Tobias Beckett and Don and and Lando. That's it. <laughs> that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Give me Woody and Donald Glover. <laughs> I mean, first of all, Donald Glover. It, it like it feels like you're watching Billy D. Williams who hopped into a time machine mm-hmm. and projected his younger self forward. Mm-hmm. Good sweet lord. It's everything you always thought that Lando would be if he got more screen time. Yes. Fan freaking tastic. And also just being able to find the emotion in that character. And the nuance in that character, because you could just play it one way of just like a one way, uh, like a one dimensional character. And he found a lot of depth in that character, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. But overall, just uh, the swagger of that character was amazing. If 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 oh. if you would allow me just for a second, I, I, I did. I want a Lando standalone movie. That's what I want. I really enjoyed when they landed whatever that desert planet was, Sal- Salvinia or whatever it was, where they were getting the coaxium refined. Yeah, and he just stands there looking at the Falcon as it's like it went from being this pristine ship to being this beat up, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he just looks at Han Solo, like, "I hate you." Yes, <laughs> the yes. way he says that was fantastic. I hate you. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, uh, and and the other thing is, uh, Woody Harrelson's character is, um, is fantastic because he does such a great job. Of getting, he is the bridge between young Han Solo and old Han Solo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're getting a view of where if if Han hadn't gotten into the rebellion, yes, where he'd be, yes, yep, and Absolutely. how he'd end up. Absolutely, and and so you're you're kind of getting like the bridge of like, hey, this is how Han got to where he is, but it's also a, a cautionary tale of like, this is where he could have ended up, right, right, and and is such an engaging character right away, and that's totally, you know, a, a, a credit to writers who were able to to give you give him a lot to work with, but also Woody Harrelson as an actor, who I think gets short shrift as a as an as an actor because I mean, well. Woody's had some weird moments over the years. He just yes, he, has. he just has. Mm-hmm. He just has. So, but he is so fantastic. So, on the strength of those two characters, and then Chewbacca, for all the reasons that you said, just like the heart coming through that character, and and the fact that I mean, it's not it's not like Chewbacca has a lot to emote or anything like that, mm-hmm. but just his presence, yeah. you know, is is and and the, the origin story of him and Han was just. It was beautiful, and I I just love that. So yeah. I'm going to give the nod to Solo. All right, all right, I'm giving it a push, a push. 
Yeah, you you go right ahead. Mm-hmm. You go right ahead. Mm-hmm. So next up, we have secondary char- characters. So in this one, for Rogue One, uh, we're going to include K2SO, uh, Saw Gerrera, Bodhi Rook, and then we have for Solo, Val, and L337. Mm-hmm. Which uh, did I miss anyone for solo? I felt like I did, but I don't really feel like there's um, there's as many secondary characters. No, no, I think okay, I th- I, I think that that's a. I mean, we could include the worm lady, but does anyone really care? Probably not. Okay, Pro- probably not to not. Of, not not to offend the worm people. I mean, they might be a big demographic listening to our show, but yeah, just didn't she didn't really have a lot of uh. Green time. Anyways, so so who do you got for secondary characters? Uh, I'm I'm going with Rogue One on this one. I I, I feel like uh, and and I'll discuss this again when we get to the droids category. But K2SO was a much more mm. flushed out and much more developed character in the movie than I felt L3 was. I think I you know Solo came after Rogue One, and I feel like this was another example of trying to accelerate a droid character to the same level of what K2SO was in Rogue One. Um, mm-hmm. I felt they just tried to do that in solo by just rushing it, just, just absolutely rushing it, giving it this, you know, kind of, uh, freedom fighter sort of mentality and then taking it right out. You know, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it just, uh, uh, you know, just to, to me was a no brainer, you know, Saw Gerrera was, uh, I mean, if you were going to bring Forrest Whitaker into a star Wars film, this was the character to bring him in oh. as he was fantastic. I mean, just this kook, uh, you, you know, just this, 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 this odd guy, uh, Lord Kenneth will know. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. It was like I'm like, what is going on? I know. And Forrest Whitaker. Good lord. I mean, you you take like Good Morning Vietnam to this. I'm like, man, that's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. I know. And <laughs> from and, garlic to to Guerrera. And <laughs> and he yeah. I I feel like uh, he was the right guy to play this 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 you know grizzled sort of mm. uh, insurgent who has just over time you know, in a lot of ways, right. You know, very much reflected what Darth Vader was. I mean, he was more machine than man. Um, There's not much of me left. Right. I mean, oh my gosh, just the way he chose to do the voice. I was like, I want to crack up, but yet I also want to shed a tear. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he was a fantastic character. Uh, Bodhi was great. Mm. You know, Thandi Newton is Val, you you know, Thandi Newton, a big, uh, big part of Westworld. And now I want to say, I I want it because I corrected myself on this. I think it's Tandy. Oh, is it Tandy? It's, okay, okay. Yeah, there's not. A, I, I don't think it's a TH because right. I we mi- I mispronounced that a bunch of times and then I felt bad. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh. Well, anyways, but yes, well, yes. Tandy, just just write an angry treat over to to Todd's. <laughs> just 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 point it his way. I, I yeah. Uh, go ahead and make my week. I, go right ahead. Absolutely, he'll he'll be thrilled. Uh, <laughs> pro- probably be ready to leave me for another part. You know, another podcasting partner. Uh, cause you will have made his day. Um, Oh, whatever. You ain't getting rid of <laughs> You're the one who's walking out of this oh, thing first. Oh man. But, uh, no, I just felt, you, you know, n- nothing wrong with the Val or L3 characters or, or, or just, I don't mean to say nothing wrong with them, but I, I just don't feel like they were as strong. You know, I, th- I felt Rogue One had just stronger secondary characters that just somehow through the movie and the storytelling were just better developed. You know, I mean, Bodhi, it wasn't like you got deep into that character, but for the time we had with with Saw Gerrera, you know, you you got to understand pretty quick who he was and what, you know, his role was in, in you know, as far as being an insurgent with the rebellion. Um, and then K2SO was fantastic. So 
Mm-hmm. I give the nod to Rogue One. I, I'm going to as well. I, I think really for me the Sagarera just takes it over the top. Uh, as much as as much as I like uh, Tandy Newton's character, it, it, she's just she's not in the movie long enough to really. Even though she, I think she does make an impact. She really, she has her moments. The thing that got me about that though is they never really had Woody Harrelson's character mourn her in any meaningful way. Like it, there's yeah. there's never any any sort of moments where another accelerated it, moment. Yeah, it never comes back, nope. so it really diminishes what she did on. So I think it could have. I could. I think her, her character could have been more meaningful mm-hmm. if they had Tobias kind of mourn her a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like that happens, and he has that one moment in the in the Millennium Falcon where he's like, you know, don't trust anybody, sort of thing, and that's that's really it. Like yeah. it, there's no fallout from that he's just sort of like hey business as usual like and 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 i didn't even realize that was his wife like i i read in in one of those articles like oh yeah that's his wife like oh oh wow that's even better like he's even more of a jerk (laughs) great so yeah so i i'll give this one to rogue one as well save the dream oh gosh And then, and then, as the as the like the tidal wave of stuff is coming at oh. him, he just unplugs that one thing. Yep. yep. Oh man. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Anyways, okay, we could sit there and talk about that all day. So now we get into uh, the next category, which is villains. So for Rogue One, of course, we have Orson Krennic, who is the the main villain of the movie, played by Ben Mendelsohn. And then, of course, secondary kind of villain, of course, is Darth Vader, who in in, in theory is kind of like the secondary villain for all of Star Wars, <laughs> whether he's in the freaking movie or not. Even in the prequel trilogies, you're thinking about you're thinking about Darth Vader because you're like, oh, this kid turns into Darth Vader. And then, of course, in the in the post trilogy, uh, you know, Kylo Ren is trying to be Darth Vader so so badly it hurts Mm -hmm. so he's always there uh so that kind of fits which i mean you could probably even make a case for darth vader being a secondary villain in in solo because you're then you're thinking like hey someday you know solo is going to get killed by the guy who wants to be darth vader you could do six six degrees of solo really Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for for solo we have dryden voss and uh then the secondary kind of bad person bat villain is a uh, emphasis ness mm-hmm. tragic tragic name for a character yep it's like what uh, who who really does that did somebody go on like on a on a on a website and like a random villain generator name villain name generator and find that and was like hey this that's kind of what it feels like to me it sounds Anyways. interesting um and and yeah i'm surprised we don't like have on damn here. monster movies <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, I, I'm also surprised we don't have Darth Maul on here as a cameo. Or, or do you not feel like he well, really plays a role in the story? No, he. I mean, he kind of has. I mean, that's like a true cameo. At least, at least Darth Vader like sh- has a scene. At least Darth, he has two scenes. At least Darth Vader's killing people. <laughs> he, well, he does something. I mean, dude, it's like Darth Maul is a hologram. Like I thought it was cool. I yeah. thought it was a cool tie-in, but he has no impact on what's happening. Yeah whatsoever really you know you just kind of like oh that's the guy behind the guy cool <laughs> or well that's that's the spiky headed alien behind the guy i mean you know whatever yeah. uh so yeah I, let's, let's just for the sake of, of of symmetry let's stick with with two and two okay. so who you got uh i'm giving the nod to rogue one on this one i think uh krennic was a mm. great kind of over the top uh in, in some ways bad guy i mean uh ben mendelson played the 
just just the, the it, it's not greed, but it's um, God, ambition. Ambition. Thank you. That 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 he, yeah, he just has naked ambition. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh. And you know to 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 face down Vader, or not to face him down, but 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 to approach Vader and sound like the whiny kid that he is was hysterical. Yes. Well, and then afterwards, even like Vader force chokes him, yes. almost chokes him to death. And then he, as he's walking away, he's like, so I'm the administrator? Like, he even has this hopeful tone, like, I almost died, but oh, wait, I'm still in charge? Yes. Like, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. That's, you got to check yourself. That's not healthy. No, no. And, 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 you know, having Tarkin there is kind of the, the, the guy who kind of pokes and prods him a little bit, you know, in terms of, uh, Mm. you know that ambition and and you know and the jealousy you know that kind of develops there is is pretty funny uh i, I mean oh, it, yeah. not funny in a comedy way but just it's interesting how tarkin's presence is what really motivates him to kind of do what he does and eventually end up on scarif where uh he mm. he meets his untimely end but um oh no it's timely gotta go, gotta go. it's timely. well it is timely it's it's vader timely <laughs> so Oh, what I did there. <laughs> look at you tying it uh, way back. Oh, yeah. It's time. It's time. It's Vader time. Time, time, time. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think Krennic and, and, you know, having the Vader, I mean, Vader makes the end of the movie just fantastic. Yeah. Um, Dryden Voss, uh, you know, again, I, I, I go back to the the I, I will go back to the my thesis that I believe Solo needs to be a TV show. I I, I think they missed the boat developing, and 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 again, I'll, I'll go to what we see in Mandalorian that we start to see through Carl Weathers' character. Ah, Mando. Um, this this network of bounty hunters. They all hate you, Mando. And the way mm. that they kind of work. And and the way that they get their, you know, I I, I like little minutia like that. Like how how does the Mandalorian get his next job? Only you, Mando. You know, and 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 where does that take him? And how does that work? Yeah. And, you know, th- those are all things that that TV gives you the ability to kind of explore the, those sort of minutia moments, as opposed to trying to do that in a movie where you've got to keep the 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 story and the pace moving along. Yeah. And so I feel like Dryden Voss could have been a very good villain if we just had more time with him. But he just he was kind of like this rage monster who uh, or a rage person who was really polite, got really angry at everyone. And then finally, yeah. you know, got got his comeuppance because he he decided to fight the wrong person. So, well, it, it wasn't even that he fought the wrong person. It was just like, well, it's the end of the movie. So he got to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Like there was no good reason why he got. Yeah bested really uh, it was just absolutely. like well the, you got to die because it's the end of the flick it, it just felt that was what it felt like yeah and then and then the re- the reveal that Enfys Ness was that they're really in, in a lot of ways very much aligned with with uh the rebellion of sorts and, and that they're representing mm. kind of a disenfranchised people you know based on uh the, the the workings of of you know these smuggler groups these syndicates you know again that, that whole idea of these smuggler groups and syndicates I'd love to learn more about that you know I think that'd be a very yeah. interesting, you know, avenue of, of the Star Wars universe to kind of explore a little bit. And and I think you could do something more on a Disney plus than you could in a movie. So so I think yeah. I think the villains end up suffering. So really, Enfys Ness goes from being a villain to actually being one of the good guys. And and you end up 
really just with Dryden Voss and and a cameo by Darth mm-hmm. Maul, and it's like, wow, that's pretty weak, you know? Oh, totally. Um, yeah. So so yeah, R- Rogue One gets the nod uh, pretty easy on on that count alone. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, and the thing is, so this is one of those deals where where Dryden Voss was actually a different actor. Oh yeah, and it and when when Lord Miller got cut and they had to go back and they're like, hey, guess what, everybody, everybody's got another month or two months of shooting, and they called back the guy who was I can I can't remember what it is and I'm too lazy to look it up right now, but he was the original guy cast as Dryden Vost and and he couldn't come back, and they said, all right, well, uh, you know, apparently you know somebody knows somebody who you know we can get. Uh, no, Tony Gilroy, I think, has worked with Paul Bettany before, and that's how he got the gig. Like, they recast that villain. And I think that villain, like you say, give me more time with him. Uh, dude, I could I could both love and learn to hate Dryden Voss. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he is he, the way that Bettany plays him, oh, my gosh, it is, it is actually really kind of charismatic. Yes. And I, w- yeah. I would have loved some more time with him to, to get to know him as almost more of a kind of a, a Godfather-esque character you know a moff like a mafioso family head sort of thing oh yeah you don't get enough time and you don't you don't get enough nuance of that character so that when he dies like you're like oh okay well whatever it's just a dude and can can i just can can, can i just throw one more this really isn't pertaining to the villain category but when you said when when you said how charismatic he was and like seeing him as a godfather character how irritated were you that they had to bring up job of the hut in that movie too yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's another checkbox. It's like really we're going to draw all the, we're going to connect all the dots before we leave you people. You know? Dude, that's why oh. you're, you're better off with Mando instead of Boba. Mando! They all hate you. Exactly. You're much better off with just Who's this? We don't know. All right, cool. Random Mandalorian. Mando! That's your main character, rather than someone where you're waiting for, okay, well, when are they going to do this thing? When are they going to do that thing? Mm -hmm. Who gives a damn? Just give me a good story. That's And and, and ultimately, that's what makes Solo suffer. So, yeah, villain. I mean, hands down, uh, Rogue One. I mean, Orson Krennic, fantastic. And really kind of playing into even what ends up happening with you know, with what Darth Vader is talking about with some of the dudes in, in, in A New Hope where, mm-hmm. you know, don't overestimate, you know, technology and things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's it really kind of plays into that. Like the, one of the downfalls of the Empire is this naked ambition and, mm-hmm. and and people trying to get ahead of each other and stuff like that. And reliance on and, and just the, the, the reliance they have on technology to, to yeah. force their will upon everyone. And yeah, one of the scenes I, I just real quick as an aside, one of the things I, I love with Ben Mendel is the scene where they where they're doing the test fire on Jetta? Yes, and you know Tarkin's kind of again doing that poking prodding thing with him, and he's just like, uh-huh. you know, his his lieutenant comes up and he's like, uh, target is uh, acquired, and as soon as he finishes saying like acquired, he's just like fire. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah. I mean, hand goes well, up and everything. He was he, he wanted to blow up the whole planet. Oh, it was hysterical. Like I always, I just. Like, 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 I love when you have a villain or sorry, an actor playing a villain who is over the top, but they don't play them over the top. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yes. that sort of emphasis on his just, you know, like, and, well, they, and, and, and afterward, as everything's blowing up, he's like, that's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But in real, in this really sarcastic kind of undertone, like, see, I told you. I know it's it's. Awesome. Imagine if imagine if we were watching an entire planet disintegrate now. Wouldn't that be awesome? No, but you didn't let me do it. No, 
No. Yeah, when when an actor knows when to pick those spots, that's awesome. Yeah. I just love that. Fire! <laughs> yeah. And that's even before getting into Darth Vader, which again is oh, like the, the coolest gosh. The coolest two minutes in Star Wars movies. And may I just say uh, I, hands down. I, I I really enjoyed having Tarkin in that movie. I'm so glad they, they found a way to work yeah. in because you know, I, I mean, say what you will about trying to bring you know, these characters so quote unquote back to life, you, you know, because mm-hmm. the actor is no longer with us. But but I don't know how you could have done this movie without having Tarkin in there a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean he he, yeah. he played such I mean, you know, he wasn't like this critical role in a new hope, but he was such a it's it's so funny to me that characters like his played such a small part in those movies, but they left such a lasting impact. You know, yeah. and, and and you remember them and you're like, oh yeah, this was the guy who ordered this and this and you know, and, and so it was just it was a nice touch for them to to have him as part of that that kind of villainous group. Totally. And I and he could have I mean if we went three deep with villains, of course you don't really get I mean, yeah, we would have had to throw Darth Maul in there for for solo and then rogue one i mean tarkin would have totally been the the third kind of baddie in that yeah yeah and and he does he is such a great foil because it's almost like you know naked ambition meets someone who is equally as ambitious but has the upper hand on you yes yes you know and it's and it's it's so great to just it is one of those examples of like hey you know office politics can be interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know oh yeah oh it's fantastic all right, so we both gave Rogue One the nod on that one. So action sequences. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's see where we come up on this one. So Rogue One, you've basically got uh, insurgents ambush the Empire at Jeddah when they're trying to get all the the Kyber crystals out, and then we have the destruction of Jeddah City, the assault on Edu, and then the Battle of Scarif, which oh my gosh, oh, good lord, well, and, amazing. And the Battle of Scarif is both land and space. Yes. So, so yeah. the, the like like those top down views of over the planet where that that you know where where the shield gate is and stuff was just amazing. You know, just amazing. Pull up a hammerhead Corvette. That's right. That's right. Oh, jeez, oh. that was a oh. fantastic. Anyways, fantastic. Uh, so then for Solo, uh, we have that kind of opening car chase with Kira, the uh, what I call the World War One Empire battlefield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting, where we kind of get the in- introduction to Tobias and his crew. Mm-hmm. Then we have, of course, the train robbery, which is like the centerpiece of that movie, and then the coaxium theft, and of course we get the Kessel Run. So, who you got here, sir? Uh, I again am going to go uh, with Rogue One on this one. Um, I, I did feel like I, I think what did it for me was the Battle of Scarif. I, I think both the land battle, where they're carrying out like this heist, uh, was was really well done. And, and well executed uh, across all the characters, which is, you know, telling that they could, you know, have all of the characters play a important role um, mm-hmm. in this. And um, and then the space battle as well was just was phenomenal. I mean, yeah, just like you yeah. said, like, like not even just the hammerhead Corvette scene, but, you know, when when the, the ships are trying to get in and and the shield closes and you just see these ships like crash into the shield and skid across mm. it and stuff was just mm-hmm. just amazing. You know, in Solo, they, they had some good action scenes, but I feel like, you know, I think I, I feel like it suffers a little bit from the lack of buildup, you know, to, to, to some of these. I mean, I, you know, in, in other podcast episodes, I've talked about how everything can't always be, you know, the ultimate good versus evil, you know, with the 
with, with the existence of the universe on the line. It can't always be that. And so I don't want to yeah. contradict that statement because solo doesn't try to go there and it shouldn't, you know, but at the same time, you know, I feel like some of the action scenes just, you know, when, when I'm comparing it to rogue one, just miss some of the emotional weight, you know, and, you know, I thought the coaxium theft was, was interesting and, and the castle run was interesting, but it wasn't, you know, it, it just didn't feel as, as emotionally, like I didn't feel as emotionally engaged as I did in, in terms of like that, that battle of Scarif, you know? So, um, yeah. so I, I, I give the nod to rogue one on the action sequences. I thought it was better mainly because the story helped kind of build the emotion that was necessary to make the action sequences mean something for these characters. And, and yeah, so that's, that's, that's where I, that's where I rest on this. Save the tree. Thank you, Saw. So uh, we, uh, this is probably a sympathy vote. I will admit it. However, this to me, solo, and and here let's tie this back to to wrestling because every, I mean, as <laughs> as we I love to hear this. as we like oh, boy. as we like to do with with tying everything back to Battlestar Galactica. Really, the, we we tie everything back to wrestling. That started with the first episode with Conquistador One and Conquistador Two. Mm-hmm. And if you got that reference, good Lord, thank you for being alive in the 80s and watching WWF. So the uh, Rogue One is really kind of like Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat. Mm -hmm. It's it's a slow burn. It's an epic sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. you don't really pick out one thing or another. Solo is like Hardy Boys versus Dudley Boys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my brother. Oh, testify. The story is 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 vaguely held together. Oh, it's there, man. but it's nothing special. Yeah. But it's just an excuse to have a bunch of really cool things happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know you're going to get the tables. You know you're going to get someone doing something. You're going to do this. It's just the the story is just an excuse for these set pieces. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. However. Mm-hmm. Those set pieces are really freaking good in solo. Yeah. And that was one of the things that stood out to me in rewatching it, where I'm like, wow, that train scene is really good. Like, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I was amazed how much I enjoyed that scene the second time around, just for what it was. Like, not thinking, like, oh, well, for a Star Wars movie and blah, 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 blah. No, no. For an action scene, that's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that whole seed was was actually really good. And then, of course, uh, you know, the coaxium theft I thought was was really cool, uh, you know, just overall. Um, the I actually the thing that really stood out to me was that battlefield scene, like where I've, I've I'd kind of forgotten. I'd kind of forgotten most of solo because, like I said, I, I, I watched it. And I'm like, all right, cool. I saw it. I forgotten <laughs> that 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 Han had joined the Empire mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was, you know, in, and, and you kind of get like that early view of what before you have stormtroopers and everything. You're sending really tr- real troops out there, and there's this trench warfare sort of thing happening, and and all of those scenes along with that, that was I was like, wow, this is actually really good. This is something we haven't seen in Star Wars, like a battle being really messy. Yeah. Like I mean, you see like the battle on Hoth where there's trenches and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but you don't really get down in the trenches. You see even the battle, uh, crud. I'm gonna. F- I can't remember the damn planet. If Jimmy Dice was here, he could he could help me out on this. But in uh, which movie? In, uh, in the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. when you have the planet that's all the the salt 
and all that. Oh, crud, yeah. I, ah. Exactly. It's it's still, it's a cool battle, but you never get, like, that dirty, gritty, like, oh, my gosh, this is messy, and this is ugly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of, like, Mandalorian, like, oh, my gosh, this is real down and dirty, like, wow, this is this is rough yeah, sort of thing. I thought that was really impressive. Um, and then, of course, the Kessel Run, which, again, is one of those things where you're like, eh, I didn't need to see it, but we saw it, and it was kind of cool, and it was... I liked how they kind of worked things into that scene to make, to give you a little bit of background on why the Millennium Falcon is so special. Crate. The, the planet was Crate. Crate. Thank you. But I like that idea of like, you know, they, they incorporate L3 into the Millennium Falcon mm. and that's why the Millennium Falcon is so special. Like, okay, yeah, that, okay, now I get it. That sort of thing. All of that, you know, I, I mean, as much as I love the Battle of Scarif, Battle of Scarif is, is amazing. It's an amazing thing. Really, the rest of the... I mean, I mean, we say the destruction of Jeddah City. It's basically an explosion, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And the insurgents ambushing the, uh, the Empire. Really, the coolest part of that is Donnie Yen. Yeah. You know? And especially the part where, you know, he, like, drives his staff into the dude's foot. He's like, oh, something wrong with your foot? And he's spinning the dude around just to, <laughs> just to take all the laser fire. Yeah. Which is fantastic. You know, I mean, and there's moments... But I mean, it's a, it's a shoot 'em up. It's kind of like a anything you'd see in the Mandalorian or any other Star Wars movie sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The assault on Edu was actually kind of cool with the with the X wings coming in. However, again, it's one of those deals where I'm like, you got like eight X wings coming in, okay? They're all shooting, and they don't hit a damn thing. <laughs> like everybody is I right know. out there on that platform, and yet. Everybody survives yep. until they like, and then they throw like one bomb. I'm like, are, are we are we short this month on bombs? Like, why don't you just bomb the living crud out of the base? Mm-hmm. Like, they only have one. Yeah, you know, so that sort of thing. So that kind of annoyed me a little bit rewatching, which hadn't annoyed me before. So I'm I might. I may be crossing my signals here. I should have disliked Solo more, but I'm actually going to give the nod to Solo. Like for pure action sequences, Solo had more, and I actually think they were better. Now, granted, they kind of didn't do a whole lot for the story. Yeah, the overall movie. Yeah, yeah. But just as pure action sequences, I know. Uh, yeah, I got it. I got to give it to Solo, even though the Battle of Scarif is one of the coolest. If you ask me for the single coolest scene. Battle of Scarif. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no. I mean, <laughs> no, no doubt. What, what, no doubt. What was that sound? <laughs> oh, a little Jim Carrey going on there. I like it. Nicely done. Nicely done. Well, that's what happens when you have this delicious IPA. There you go. Nice. Maybe I'll get. Maybe I'll get a sponsorship. All right. Next category up is droids. Which I mean. <laughs> The fact that this is an entire category in and of itself is kind of amusing to me, but it's Star Wars, and we do kind of judge these movies a little bit based on the quality and content of the droids. So, of course, in Rogue One, we have K2SO. In Solo, we have L337. Mm-hmm. So who do you got, sir? Uh, I, I've already kind of alluded to this, so I'll, I'll, I'll make this one uh, quick and simple. It is K2SO. I, I, I feel like even for a droid... Uh, Rogue One's story kind of gave service to that character, uh, helped helped you know build it in into uh, you know somewhat comic relief. I mean, well, I mean, I shouldn't say somewhat. I, I mean, a lot of what that droid was was comic relief, but 
but but also to bring an impactful end to it as part of the heist was 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 really impressive and i just felt like with l3 it's like you don't really get to see the droid until about you know halfway through the movie it's in the movie just for a little bit i mean there there's some good parts with it no doubt but it it just doesn't i just don't think it measures up so i i go k2so on this one rogue one I, you know, I think K2SO, K2 gets, gets some of the better lines, you know, especially like, you know, when, uh, oh my gosh, when, when, when Cassian and, and, uh, and Jin are walking away and he's sitting there holding the backpack, he's like, you know, and says something about, you know, you get us all killed. He's like, I don't think that'd be so bad and drops the bag. Like, oh my <laughs> gosh. Uh, I mean, uh, what was a, what was a Alan, Alan Tudyk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was so, so good at that. Mm-hmm. And, um, did, did the onset, you know, motion capture for it all. Um, I think he did a fantastic job. And of course, one of the most iconic lines out of Rogue One, which kind of also, in a, in a way, represents like how the rebellion is working at this mm-hmm. point, is when they when they when they bust Jin out of that uh, out of the uh, the Imperial uh, transport or whatever it is. Yeah, which is actually a derivative version of one of the one of the tanks that they have in like the the prequel trilogy. Right. And you know, uh, what does he say? Uh, Congratulations, you are being rescued. Please do not resist. <laughs> Like it just kind of communicates everything about where the rebellion is at that point. Like you know, hey, you're free, don't mess with yeah. us, <laughs> sort of thing, yeah, yeah. which is fantastic. However, however, oh, I do appreciate L three in that I feel like if if R two D two spoke English instead of beeps and boops, R two D two be a lot closer to L three than K two. I think. Okay. I, I just I do appreciate and I, I and it, this is one of those areas where I I'm giving a little bit extra credit for taking a chance mm-hmm. and I think that idea of of this idea of playing off of the idea in in uh, a new hope when Luke goes into the cantina and the and the guys the bartender's like we don't serve their kind here mm-hmm. and he kicks the droids out mm-hmm. playing off that and the fact that some droid that had been around and is you know, like Lando even says, like, I had to wipe her memory, but, you know, she's got, got the best navigational data in the galaxy. That this droid who's been around is, is very quirky at this point and has developed this own personality. And maybe it's the fact that I've had, you know, I mean, they kind of equate droids to almost like sidekicks and pets in, in Star Wars, I feel. I've had some pets that are like quirky beyond what even that breed of pet is supposed to be quirky, you know, like... I don't even I'm not even sure you are what you think you are. You might be an alien. I'm not sure. Like you are just that weird. And so I I appreciate the fact that they took L3 in that direction of being so quirky and kind of weird, but then also having this this streak of like, you know, you know, uh, of droids resist and droid freedom and this and that and the other. And it was kind of cool. Like it added a little bit of weirdness that I really appreciated in Solo. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, maybe I was just searching for some high spots. Well, because I, because I, this to me is the litmus test. When, yeah. when, when L3 goes down and Lando goes and gets, gets her. Yeah. And yeah, that part was, that part was lame. I will admit the L3 death scene. Did, was did you honestly lame. feel anything there? I mean, no, come on. now, now here's, here's the thing. Though. Come on. There is, 
there is uh, wow you feel passionately you got some serious like passion for droids sir i did not well notice. i'm just you know is this a fetish that we ought to be talking no, about anyway know. so do you have a safe word anyways uh so what we uh where was i oh so but so i'm yeah, discounting that I, I, <laughs> I i'm 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 acknowledging what you're saying oh, I, I i agree i i cannot disagree with it the k2 had a much better death scene than l3 mm-hmm. however i am giving some extra credit for the fact that l3 ends up becoming part of the falcon mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I I do like how that ties in, and it does develop that story a little bit more, and it does develop the myth, the kind of the mythos of the Millennium Falcon. Mm. It gives it, a, it does kind of give you that. Oh, this is why this is such a special ship. All right. I kind of like. I'm giving it a little bit extra credit for that. So I and, and again, this is a. It probably is a bit of a pity vote because again, <laughs> we are in a. <laughs> This is this is like you know Tyson versus like some tomato can from you know the Bronx. It's it ain't gonna end oh, well. Boy. So I'm gonna give this one to Solo. All right. In the droid category. All right. So now this brings us to our final category, which is the overall fit within the Star Wars universe. Now Rogue One, of course, is essentially Episode Three Point Five. Yes. I mean. Rogue One is written to literally fit into the Star Wars universe. Yes. Oh my gosh, and it does it so well. Oh, it fit like a glove, oh. like a glove. Good, sweet mama. Uh, so Solo, though, is, I mean, where would this take place? It really is kind of pre. I mean, is it kind of after? Is it after Episode Three? Because there is a as a fairly wide swath of time between Episode Three and Four. Right? Yeah, and and what's what's interesting is I, I'm kind of in the process of watching Empire of Dreams, which is this doc, you know, documentary about the, the the making of the classic trilogy, and you know Harrison Ford was significantly older than Luke and Leia. I mean, Luke, or sorry, Luke and Leia. Yeah. sorry, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, um, they were both still in their twenties. I think Harrison Ford was like thirty three. Um, you know, I think he was almost like 10 years older than them or somewhere in that range. Yeah. So I don't know if that's really true of the Han Solo character, though. And and that's why, you know, timing wise, it's hard to understand, you know, where all this fits, because, you know, when, when you get to A New Hope and, and Han is, you know, and Lucas worked that scene in with Jabba where, you, you know, Jabba is there trying to co- collect on on this on this debt that he owes him. Um, the, the timing of all that feels really strange. You know, like, 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 yeah. like maybe at the end of Solo, when he alludes to going to see J- to go see Jabba, it maybe it's not the job where he ends up owing Jabba a lot of money. Maybe it's no, the initial I, I take that step as, in, yeah. that, in, in that business relationship. But you don't really get a sense of where Han Solo is age wise at that point. Is he 20? And so it's another 10 years until he meets Luke and Leia. Is it, mm-hmm. you know, earlier? You, you know, we, we, we don't really get a sense of where they are in all of this. And um, so yeah, it's definitely between three and four, but it's just, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where, because they're not very clear about how old he is. Um, when yeah. the movie starts, you know, we know it jumps ahead three years. Um, and then, and then just all of this stuff happens, like literally all of the important history that happens to Han Solo happens in this small chunk of time. And it's just, it's so strange, but, but yeah, so I feel like, you know, for, for, for that and, 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 you know, the reason that Rogue One is really the story about how the rebellion gets their hands on the Death Star plans, gets that hope 
that gives them the ability to then you know for a new hope to i mean literally kind of plays right into the beginning of a new hope you know i just feel like it fits in uh much better uh i i feel it it tells the story it was intended to tell very well and and like i said at the end of the movie you're just ready to jump right into episode four because it literally is you know just just that you're just one step away from the beginning of of that movie so um yeah so so i i uh i give the nod to rogue one so apparently uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, is 13 to 10 years BBY. I have no idea what the heck BBY stands Before for. Before Battle of Yavin. Okay, thank you for out-geeking me on that. Which, which is essentially the Death Star battle in A New Hope. Okay, all right, gotcha. All right, so that's taking place between 13 to 10 years before that. Okay, um, okay. And just in case you're wondering, uh, Star Wars Rebels takes place between uh, five to f- one year before the Battle of Yavin. Okay. Anyways, uh, th- the more you know. Da-na-na, so, da-na-na. so you're giving that one to Rogue One. I am also going to give this one to Rogue One because, it, yeah, it, it's just so ambiguous with where Solo sits. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it ties directly in, I again, I think... Star Wars fans, oh my gosh! Can, <laughs> do we need to get into this, kids? Kids, come! Oh gosh! What, what are you drinking? Come a little again? closer. What are you drinking? Uh, Stone Stone Delicious IPA. All right, this this Uncle Todd moment is brought to you by Stone Delicious IPA. Come, kids, come a little bit closer to your to your radio to your to your radio to your to your internet uh, frequency setter uh, set. And and let me let Uncle Todd uh, tell you a little a little something here. Star Wars fans. They can just be annoying. It just I I I I, I want to love them, but good lord, just there's no satisfying these people. <laughs> you just you can't make them happy. If it isn't episode four or five, they just get all just they get their britches in an uproar. It's it's unreal. Even episode six, some people and the only reason people like episode six because back in the day before there was a prequel and a post trilogy, people used to talk about you go back to clerks. Go back to Clerks and you talk about, you know, people saying, oh, well, Episode 6 was just a bunch of Ewoks. Then all of a sudden, Episode 1 comes along like, oh, well, Episode 6 is great. Episode 1 sucks. And then Episode 2 comes along like, oh, well, man. And, and then it took, it, well, actually, no, Episode 1 still sucked. So then I was going to say, are, are these Star Wars fans or are these you? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> But then it took to the post trilogy, and then all of a sudden, uh, the, a lot of these fans started talking about, well, you know, episode one wasn't really that bad. I'm like, oh, you revisionist SOBs, you. <laughs> you all hated on that crap, and rightfully so, I might add. <laughs> However, they all hate you. The thing is, like, people just get doing something outside of or that ties directly into that original trilogy is so tough mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. because people, and part of it, I get it, it's been there forever. You know, like you can look at the that Star Wars in the theater as the kind of beginning of of sci-fi as we know mm-hmm. it. Before that, it was all like, you know, Flash Gordon and 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 kind of cruddy, like shoddy stuff. Where you're like, hey, I can see the wires. Star Wars is really the beginning of modern sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So, anything that's outside of that kind of beginning. People are suspicious of, and they have their nits to pick and all that. And hey, you know what? Some of them are valid. Some of them aren't. But, but kids, let me let me let me, let me, let me just share this with you. Just 
don't try going people-pleasing Star Wars fans because you're going to end up frustrated. You're going to punch things. You're going to hurt yourself. There's no pleasing some of these people. You just can't. You just can't. And I don't mean to turn into Chris Rock here. I just, I, I don't. But you just, you just can't please some of these people. They all hate you. So that's your Uncle Todd moment for this week. Just don't try and please Star Wars fans because they're gonna, they're gonna rip your soul out of your nostril and just stomp on it in front of you. This, this Uncle Todd moment was brought to you by Stony Something IPA. <laughs> <laughs> they all hate you. And uh, and Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good lord! Oh man! So, so here's the thing. Like, it, of course, something that directly ties into episode four. Good lord! Of course, it's going to be better received, and it's going to, it's going to. Of course, the thing is, they didn't do themselves any favors in solo. Where, like you said, I, 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 I've come around to this now. Like, yes, as a, as a show, it would have been better because you could have spread it out, and and the vagueness would have worked in your favor. Mm-hmm. Because there's this vast swath of time where you could be like, hey, this is before the Empire really got rolling and all that. But when you when you start trying to pinpoint, like, of course, this, like, one-week period, really, I mean, of, of Han Solo's life, then, you know, okay, now you, you start getting specific, and like you say, you play the greatest hits. Whereas Rogue One, it really is. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's centered around a singular event. Ro- Ro- Rogue One is a more, so, yeah, it's, it's a more focused story. Yeah, and it, and it literally ties right in so that you can... You can stop Rogue One before the credits roll and start a new hope. And it's like, oh, except for the fact that things look slightly different, it's right where we left off a couple minutes later, you know? So, yeah, Rogue One definitely gets the nod here with a fit within the Star Wars universe. Well, and and, and I would even qualify it further and say, you know, I I look at a show like The Mandalorian and I feel like... It, it would not be unreasonable to say that show Mando. fits within the Star Wars universe because it is telling a story that has is happening tangential to the the larger events that have gone on in the movies. Solo, yes. I mean, does it fit? Sure. Is it believable in terms of the pace and 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 the story they're telling? That's where I feel like they kind of went off the rails. It 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 became a uh, I'll say it again. It is a checkbox checklist sort of movie. Um, yeah. we're, we are just going to hit all of these notes because this is what fans want to see. And to me, I just feel it's, you know, very, uh, you know, in a lot of ways it's disingenuous in a lot of ways it, it, it is, you know, filling in holes. Like you said, that sometimes it's better to leave some things to the reader or the viewer's imagination than it is to spell it out clearly for them. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the knocks that I have against solo. So that's where I feel like rogue, rogue one fits better because it it just you know it, it's it's harmonized in terms of its place within the 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 larger universe of, of stories that are being told within this universe and uh and solo while it does have its place it just feels like you know it's kind of like when you have a puzzle and you try to take that piece that clearly doesn't fit but you just slam mm. it in there <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> kind of like yes. that so <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I can agree with that. Oh, yes, brother. So, yeah, I think I think the the thing is with with Rogue One, everything is meaningful. Mm-hmm. Everything, whereas you know, with Solo, it's it's all background. Nothing directly really affects the the main right. 
Star Wars story. Right. I mean, you, you kind of, oh, hey, we filled in all the edges of of Han Solo. Well, he was kind of more interesting without those edges filled in, and mm-hmm. nothing really translates into actual Star Wars. Right. Which, which actually, now that I think about it, how the hell is is Darth Maul in this? When he got killed, if it's if it's ten to fifteen years before the the Battle of Yavin, mm-hmm. is, and it's kind of at the height of the Empire, the Empire doesn't start until really after Episode Three. Darth Maul bites it in Episode One. Mm-hmm. How the hell is he in Solo? Clo- Clone Wars kind of kind of answers that. Um, ah crap! I got to watch like seven years. Of yeah, that. basically. Uh, yeah, there. So I started watching that with the kid, and the first like. We, I mean, we were into Star Wars Rebels. Like, she was into Star Wars Rebels in a big, bad nice. way. We started watching Clone Wars. The first couple episodes, like, yeah, I'm good. And she loves Star Wars. Interesting. Interesting. And, like, those for, and, and like Jimmy Dice even said, like, the first couple seasons are pretty kind of, yeah. Then you start picking it up. Yeah, yeah. But I, I might have to jump to, like, season three and try and redo that. Because, yeah, even the first couple episodes, I'm like, this is kind of. Lame. Yeah, they 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 bring Maul back. He basically has kind of a robotic torso, essentially. Um, somehow, <laughs> like like I I didn't actually see the episode when he was first reintroduced. I just know he's so they made him Lee Majors. Like we can rebuild. Basically, him. Um, yeah, he he's basically uh, you know mechanical from the waist down. So um, huh. yeah, so that's how he is able to persist. And 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 you do actually see it in the hologram. You know, you see these. Like, cause you don't know at first who it is. You just see these robotic legs and then, mm. oh, and yeah. then it pans around and you see that it's him. And then you see, of course, the iconic double bladed lightsaber, um, that, mm. that he has made, uh, popular, but you know, again, I, I, I find his presence in the universe so interesting because I always thought back when we first saw episode one, I, I watched, and, and I think I said this in one of our episodes with Jimmy Dice, it's, Darth Maul to me was a wasted resource. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. He, Lucas had created the next really, really interesting, really cool villain, and chose to make him more about the acrobatics and the and the lightsaber duel, and could have developed. Like I, I really felt like Maul could have had an arc from Episode One all the way through to Three, when Vader then finally becomes the apprentice you know and Mm -hmm. um i I think you could have completely done without count dooku because count dooku to me is just like like i don't even understand his point other than being an old fart who smacks anakin around a little bit you know what i mean (laughs) i mean seriously like like i I remember watching well deservedly well well well, and 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 there there was some some point to that you know i mean there was some gravitas that was communicated through dooku just kind of single-handedly dealing with kenobi and 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 Anakin, but but I really felt like if they could have taken Maul and made him, he was kind of like the next Vader in a lot of ways. You know, he was this kind of very visually stunning, iconic kind of villain. And the fact they had to bring him back with this robotic torso, you know, kind of thing just tells you that it was kind of like a retcon of that, that whole event that happened in episode one when he was killed um, or yeah. thought he was killed. So. Um, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I just feel like it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think there's definitely room for star Wars to tell some interesting stories when it comes to the aspects of like their, their, their underworld, their, their syndicate, 
you know, kind of, kind of this world of, of these gangster syndicates and stuff. I think they could do a lot of really interesting things, but you look at the Mandalorian and, you know, the Mandalorian wasn't built around him just running jobs. You know I mean? It's, it's built mm-hmm. around his relationship to the child and, and how that kind of develops, you know, his sense of, of who he is and stuff like that. And I think, you could still tell stories and kind of explore those things through that kind of storytelling if you could get the right medium for it. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Ro- well, I mean, one all the way, baby. Woo. Yeah. I mean, and you can double check my math on this because I know that you usually keep track of these mm-hmm. things. Right now, I have, uh, uh, let's go to the judges. And, uh, and, and we are scoring this one as. Oh, sorry. That's, that's the dating game isn't uh, I think it it's I, mean, I dream of genie but go ahead oh yeah, yeah what the hell are you doing i dream of genie i don't for? know like, it just that, sounds like a game show theme that's it tim drunk <laughs> so, uh, come on now <laughs> oh he's gotten all hopped up on his ipa oh, good Lord. so um so i have this one scored as rogue one 11 solo three <laughs> And one of those is like, is you telling me, oh, no, you need to give one to each uh-huh. one and the other two are me like pity votes. Yep. So basically, this is like this is like a 19. Uh, let's just say like this is a 1987 WWF match. Mm-hmm. And they're they're introducing it's like and in this corner, Hulk Hogan and in this corner, Barry. Horowitz. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and the jobber. And we all. We all know that you know Barry isn't walking away with a with a belt anytime soon. So, Iron Mike Sharp uh, versus whoever the superstar of the week is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Iron Mike Sharp versus anyone. Oh really. my gosh. It could have been Iron Mike Sharp versus Sam Houston, and Sam Houston's getting that win every mm-hmm. time. Could mm-hmm. you remember that dude? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh! This oh, so many of those guys. Anyways, so yeah, Rogue One in a squash, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. And another thing. So, sir, what do you got for another thing this week? Uh, so my and another thing. I'm going back to. Uh, I, I don't think I called this ever out specifically in and another thing, but it is uh, going back to the well in a way. It is uh, calling back to. Uh, my favorite band, Rush. Uh, this is the uh, 2020 would make it the 40th anniversary of their album, Permanent Waves. And uh, over the course of last week, a music video was released on the Rush YouTube channel uh, for Spirit of Radio. And it is all animated um, and it is extremely uh, cool from a fan perspective. Um, I, I think anyone would enjoy it. That, that song overall is one of their um, just, uh, you know, just iconic and just iconic songs and, and anthem of the band. Um, I always hear it and I always just get this, this feeling of just like, you know, freedom and just, you know, just them singing about, I mean, really it's a song about radio and, and what radio became, especially in the uh, early uh, you know, early eighties with FM radio. And, uh, and, and the video is great. Um, it, 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 it kind of has some Easter eggs in it for fans. You know, there, there's uh uh, they, they do a really nice job of kind of giving a nod to the the inventor of radio and then uh, kind of these nods throughout the song uh, of DJs, uh, FM DJs who uh, were impactful on their careers um, and, mm-hmm. and making the band more well known. And, and, you know, again, that kind of grassroots effort to kind of get the band visible uh, in America. So it was really cool that way. They, they had a really nice sequence of uh, Neil Peart in the Red Barchetta. Uh, which uh, Red Barchetta is a song from Moving Pictures, um, but but it's just a real, really 
cool nod to 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 the professor, uh, you know, in, in, in the red barchetta driving along the, uh, uh, the coast of the beach. And, and, um, and, you know, it was neat. They did like these kind of exploded views of like a radio where it's like, you know, the radio all together, and then it kind of explodes out into its parts uh, and kind of nestled in there are, are like little symbols and icons from their album covers and stuff. And so anyways, it, it was just, it was a neat sort of, um, Oh, I did it again. Neat. God, I hate that word. Um, it was a, it was a, how can I describe it? Uh, you know, in some ways it's, it's an emotional tribute, you know, at the very end, they, they have a really nice kind of last scene of just an empty drum kit, you know, with a, with, you know, in memory of, mm. of Neil Peart, um, which was really just a, a nice effect at the end. And, and it was neat how this, uh, I did it again. It was interesting how the song ended. <laughs> Dude, seriously, that's going to be, if, if we're coming to the end of we're- year one of this podcast, year two's. Uh, my my resolution is going to be to avoid saying the word neat for interesting things. Uh, I need to work on my adjectives. I think so. We're we're gonna we're gonna start a neat counter for oh, you. Good lord! But they they do a, a, a it, it's kind of a fun scene at the end when the song ends with the three of them standing there, uh, you know, kind of from the their eighties look and just kind of hitting the lights. You know, that, which is something that we say at the end of this podcast, you know, hit the lights on the way out. And I thought that was kind of a mm-hmm. uh, uh, effect. I did it again. Uh, effect to <laughs> do, you, do you see how I am plagued by this word? Am I going to have to start keeping actual track? Of I this? think you should, because this this could oh, become geez. a contest. Uh, Tim uh, said the word need 23.5 times during this episode. We can start. We can start like a betting betting pool after this. Like, oh, who's who's got the over? Who's got? We the can under? do it. We could do it. Um, so yeah, I I would just say you know if if you're a fan of Rush, check it out. You probably already have. If you are a fan, if you're not a fan, uh, Spirit of Radio is just is, is like I said, such a iconic song of theirs. Uh, has a great just great melody to a great great rhythm beat to it, and is something I think anyone can enjoy. Um, the video itself is just uh, a, a very nice representation of their history uh history of radio uh the impact of radio on listeners and that sort of thing and i i just thought artistically it was uh just just a really really cool uh way for them to kind of market that that 40th anniversary so rush 40th anniversary of permanent waves spirit of radio music video on the youtube nice well, so mine for this week i i i'm going to change this up in midstream as of course you will my as is per my mm-hmm. want, I'm I'm fickle. What can I say? So uh, I'm going to change this up because due to our conversations about uh, about characters who may be exaggerating their experiences, I'm going to go back to a, a film that I enjoyed immensely, and not a lot of other people did because it's a it's a box office bomb that ended up kind of becoming a a cult classic, and it's kind of, it can be kind of hard to find these days. I, I will say this. this is a Terry Gilliam flick. flick. It's called The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Uh, Baron Munchausen is is kind of a uh, this character in I think it's I want to say it's German folklore who is constantly exaggerating his past he's always his his tales are always larger than life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting story of, of basically of his but it, how can i describe this best it's it's incorporating a bunch of tales of baron munchausen right. but also 
carrying it through a, a, a narrative. So all of these are incorporated in this flashbacks, flash forwards, and all this, and 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 it's it is weird. It's a Terry. Well, it's a Terry Gilliam. Oh. I mean, it's a dude from <laughs> it's a dude from Monty Python. So I mean, of course, it's gonna be. It's odd. gonna be a little funky. So it, it saw it stars uh, uh, John Neville. Eric Idle, uh, Sarah Pauly, Oliver Reed, Uma Thurman, in a very early role for Uma Thurman, uh, Jonathan Price, and and many others. Of course, this gives me a chance to to tell you about Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed, who, if you don't know, uh, was a legendary British actor. He was uh, his last role was in the movie Gladiator. He was Proximo. He was the the guy who uh, who was the 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 guy who bought. Maximus as a slave, oh, yeah. and he died during the 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 production of that movie, mm-hmm. and they ended up having to CGI a, a part. So and 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 I I think his character was actually meant to live through the end of the movie, and they ended up killing him because he died during production. They had to like, all right, well, yeah. hey, you know, he shot up to here, and then I guess Proximo's gonna Proximo ain't gonna in make some it, ways folks. Proximo was the first step toward Tarkin that we saw in Rogue One. Uh well actually I think they did that with Brandon Lee first in the Crow. Oh, I think that's he true. was yeah. he was kind of the first person they really did that with. Uh so Oliver Reed is uh, no- notorious uh for his drinking. And uh, <laughs> Oliver Reed died of a I'm going to read directly from Wikipedia because damn it you don't need to you don't need to embellish this story. Mm-hmm. Oliver Reed died from a heart attack during a break from filming Gladiator in Valletta, Malta on the afternoon of 2nd May 1999. According to witnesses, he drank eight pints of German lager, a dozen shots of rum, half a bottle of whiskey, and a few shots of Hennessy cognac. I guess as a breath mint in a drinking <laughs> match against a group of sa- a group of sailors on shore leave from HMS Cumberland oh at a local gosh. pub. His bar bill totaled a little over 270 Maltese lira, almost 450. Uh, uh, English pounds or about $594.72 U.S. dollars. Wow. After beating five much younger Royal Navy sailors at arm wrestling, Reed suddenly collapsed, dying while en route to a hospital in an ambulance. He was 61 years old. Jeez. That's incredible. John Wayne, kiss my ass, <laughs> I believe were his final words. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> So, Spaniard, we shall go to Rome together and have bloody adventures. And the great whore will suckle us until we are fat and happy and can suckle no more. And then, when enough men have died, perhaps you will have your freedom. I will use any excuse to talk about Oliver Reed's death because, good Lord, if there's oh, a badass, goodness. there you are, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, to get back to the movie, yeah. Baron... The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, it's a fantastic flick. It is fantastical. It is over the top. And it's an example of sometimes of, you know, of how you you can have a character who just exaggerates his past and it can be it can be interesting and it is an unreliable narr- narrator because you don't know right. if this dude is lying. Even though they're doing flashbacks and they're showing it, you're like, well, he could just be totally BSing. <laughs> And this is this is his hallucination of what it was like, and then it all kind of comes together at the end. And it is it is weird and as wacky and as it, it, oh man, just just watch it. I I found it on on DVD used, and it took me less than like ten microseconds to decide to buy it. I was like, I might never find this again. So go out and find that movie. It is excellent and it is well worth your nice. time. 
Nice. Well, sir, it is uh, it is about that time that we have to bring this sucker to a close. We've got to bring this in for a landing. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, thank you all for, for tuning in. Thank you for, for spending a, a little bit of time with us. We, we do really appreciate it, and, and we enjoy doing this. We, we, we appreciate the fact that people enjoy listening to this. And, of course, just with everything that's going on in the world, uh, we appreciate uh, – we're, we're glad to be able to provide a little bit of a respite. And uh, once again, be good to your fellow human beings. Listen. Be sure that you are, you're taking care of each other. If you see someone who needs some help, help them out and, and, and do what you can to help out your fellow human mm-hmm. beings. Uh, we, are, we are truly all in this together because guess what? Uh, there ain't no plan B for a planet. So we're, we're, we're in a sealed system, ladies and mm-hmm. gentlemen. We all got to be nice, and uh, and you know what? There's a there's a reason why Joe Cocker sang the the song "Space Captain." We need to learn to live with each other. We need to learn to get along, and maybe that's what all this is about. So so be good to your fellow human being. And at this point in the show, I like to turn to well. What I say is the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show, although with his frequency of the word neat, I I think he's catching up to me. I think I might have a chance <laughs> of one of these days, if only for one oh, week. Oh, my goodness. Being the slightly less idiotic of the two. I, I'm not even going to say less idiotic. I'm, I might. I'm just I'm going to limp over that oh line. Oh, boy. But I might. Maybe. Maybe. It probably is not going to happen. But I like to turn to the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show and say, "Sir, take us home." Well, we've 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 gathered and we've traveled far from BSG to Star Wars. I think we've uh, you know I think we've established Rogue One is uh, a little bit more interesting in terms of the standalone movies. Uh, you think? Check it out. Check it out. It is a fantastic story. Check it out. It made like $3 billion. I th- I'm pretty sure people are familiar. And if you haven't checked it out, uh, check it out again. And uh, che- If anything, you ought to be telling them to go check out Solo to make to just ease Ron, Ron Howard's Well, that's mind. true, too, You know, because Ron Howard's got to eat, too. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Damn. <laughs> no, I think he's doing just fine. Um no, I yeah, I think Ron Howard isn't worrying about where no, his next meal is no, coming from. No, no. Um, Opie doing just all right. You absolutely, know? but uh, check out Spirit of Radio. Check out Adventures of Baron Munchausen. A uh, lot, lot of good stuff out there uh, to to kind of provide some levity uh, during this time. And you know, as as Sir Todd has said, uh, be safe, be healthy, be good to one another, be kind, uh, and please. As they do in the Rush video at the end of the song, hit the lights on the way out. I think it's the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back until you're free. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. But God, it would know. I'm like, how does he know? And how do you know that he knows? That was neat.